there. Welcome to another episode of Toronto Ultras Merc and Maven podcast. We've got a banger for you today. Uh, we've got the one, the only Doug Sensor Martin Douglas. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Happy to be here. I love what you guys do. And I just wanted to hop on and say hi. So, hey, how you doing? Yeah, this is uh, this going to be great. We've uh, we've been doing this now two years. We've been having a blast just having players on and chatting. Um, you know, we've had some retired players, some players actively in it, some just getting into the league. Um, yeah, we thought it'd be fun to have you on. Uh, you've you've obviously had a fucking circus of a career uh, just just across everything that you've done. So this should be a very very entertaining episode. Um, Joe, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. You know, I had a wedding uh, this weekend that I was in. It was a Sunday wedding, and I had friends uh, stop by. So this is the first time. I mean, since like before Theo, I had like three nights of drinking in a row. So Monday was rough, but I'm back. I have recovered. But three nights in a row, I'm never doing that again, especially at 30. We were just talking about being 30. It's a little different, but I'm good. I'm back. We're good to go. That, that's why, like, probably the single, you know, I haven't drank in years. Like, I just, you hit that age and, like, hangovers, yeah. they're, they're just different, bro. Like, you, you don't just, like, brush it off. Maybe, like, Doug with, with his workout routine and just shedding toxins from his uh, body. But, like, I just remember, I, yeah, just be, this wasn't funny anymore. I'm like, nope, I I can't do anything for days. Not fun. Yeah. Alcohol is undefeated. Don't matter who you are, man. That thing going to yeah. hit you. It's going to hit yeah, you, man. It's, it's going to hit you. It got me. Yeah. So, but I've recovered. So I'm, I'm ready to rock. Well, Doug, we're going to chat through um, all sorts of shit, like your, your career, um, you know, from, from the competitive side, uh, everything that's gone on with the YouTube, um, some of the, the workout stuff you're doing now, which you are an utter psychopath. I didn't even realize what you were doing until Joe like explained it to me. I was like, nah, I'm sore thinking about that good mm -hmm. we're gonna we're, we're gonna chat through all of it um but let's get let's get started um for when it comes to call of duty when did you start playing like when when, when did the itch kind of kick in for you at a young age i was 11 years old i was playing mario i was playing zelda i was playing pokemon i was playing maple story i was playing runescape all right we oh, had five a fellow gamer i like that <laughs> big foundation <laughs> very big foundation since being young that you had like socom coming out back then i'm sure you guys both remember socom and tom clancy's rainbow six and all the Tom Clancy shooters, they never interest me, honestly. I always thought they were a little bit too much. They were just like, why do we have to go there? Why can't we just stay in this fantasy world with, you know, Mario Party and Hakuna Matata and all this fun? But, you know, you're 11, right? So that next year hits, your friend buys a PlayStation, he gets Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, you're sitting ah. at his house playing it, and you suck. You're going, on, <laughs> you're going on back lot domination, going 4 and 38, knifing people. You just, But it's so much fun because you suck at it, and you just want to get better at the thing. And... That's really when I think Call of Duty took over because it was scary. I was talking to my mom about this the other day. It's scary because you reflect back now and you think, damn, what if it didn't go that way? You know, because you, you sacrifice a lot when you're young and you sacrifice a lot of time to put into that. And then you start seeing other things go negative while you see that with an uncertain future and you don't know where it's going. So I think it's scary when you look back at how much that one video game for me took over my life and how much it changed the way that I looked at things, too. I hear you there because I sometimes think like, I mean, I, I was a pretty good basketball player in high school and like, had I not got addicted to Halo, I'm sort of like, I put, I put a lot of time into that game. Like I was just so addicted, bro. I sometimes think like, what if I hadn't done that? But then again, it kind of led to where I am now. Well, so same thing with casting, so. right? It's like you'd be at Enterprise still or something. Yeah, yeah I'd be renting, renting cars. <laughs> Who knows what the hell I'd be doing, dude? That job was something. Whew. I mean, you talked about playing a lot of games, though. You play any other games now? Or after competitive, are you just like the rest of us? Is that kind of it? Like single-player games? Nothing? 
Man, I love Call of Duty. I try to get into some other stuff. I tried old yeah. school RuneScape, which is probably the only game that truly still caught my attention as I got older in my 20s. But uh, I even tried over the over the season this year, I did a lot of traveling and I tried to get a Nintendo Switch and get the new Zelda and I was the biggest Zelda fan. I couldn't do it. I want to play it so <laughs> Dude, bad. So I bad. really want to play it. But, you know, when, you, when you're this wrapped up and Joe, you know, and even mm -hmm. Clint, you know from just being around everything for so long, I mean... I remember sleeping in a bed with you in 2014 in Anaheim, and you were talking to me about formal and how amazing the guy's going to be. And you, you, you weren't wrong. You were just early. I mean, you weren't wrong. He might be the greatest ever. Like now, he might actually be that. So I think that when you when you get into this competitive mindset and you're just playing, I totally and forgot you have, we slept in bed together. And now, <laughs> that was my intro to you, Clint, in, in 2014. That was when I first met you. I don't know why I was sleeping in a bed with you, but I was. I mean, it happened. That's what that's what we did. That's what we did. Hammered. <laughs> and you haven't changed one bit. You've been the same guy. You've always been the same. You've never changed. You've never switched yeah, up. Pretty true. But it's it's tough when you when you dedicate your life to a game and uh, you have so much purpose with it and fulfillment. I think that's the thing a lot of players are always trying to search for is the the purpose and the fulfillment. I think many of us stop playing because you you lose that purpose or the fulfillment. But when you're when you're truly inside, so fulfilled with it, uh, it's the only thing you see. You don't you don't really make time for much other things. Like I I still to this day every day. I mean. I can't wait to go play rank later tonight if I have some energy in me. So I, I just love playing. I just can't get enough. Yeah, it's just I, I've like finally started playing some single player games. Like finally a couple click with me. But it, most of the time I'm like, I just can't do it. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's difficult after uh, after a career. Um, So that's how you found COD. You had a friend buy it. I guess the next thing is when did you get into like competitive? Like when did you find game battles? That's where usually people start. Or I guess how, how did you come about that? So before I got into game battles, I was running everything in pubs. I was number one by far. Everyone was adding me all the time. No one knew who I was, even in like school. Like on the leaderboard. I, yeah, I was number one. And I, I made it a, a mission to be number one. I wanted that really bad. I really mm -hmm. wanted to be number one. And I was going to do anything to be number one. It didn't matter how much I needed to sacrifice. It was going to happen. So I, I, I was scared for myself because of the, the commitment to being number one. And I just wanted people to admire me in a way, but I had to do it the right way. I had to make sure that I put the time into the game. And I think uh, I got to a point where, you know, I'm grinding up and I got it and I sustained it for so long and everyone's added me. Everyone wants to play. I was very egotistical. I only wanted to play with number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. So when I do a six man <laughs> club game, I'm only playing with number one, two, three, four, five, six. And you're playing the top six in the planet right now. And you're not winning a round in S&D. That was the mindset. Right. You can't win because uh, just, I just want you to show, I want you to see like, this is what it feels like to play the best in the game. And uh, through that, my friends, RJ34, I don't know if you guys know RJ, yeah. but great dude. Love that guy. Great player. He was always better, better than me. I always thought he was a great player. He just never committed full time, but he, he was the one who got me into game battles. He said, Doug, this isn't really where the best players are at. This isn't where you should be. Because I thought I completed it. I was 15, and I'm like, this is it. It's over. Like that's There's nothing else to do. I'm, I've, I've won this, this game. Yeah. I've won this game. I'm, I'm good. And he's like, nope, you got to get into game battles. So I go into game battles. I'm getting my ass kicked. You know, these guys are so much better. They're just so good. You know, playing every day against these guys. And it was the same mindset. It was like, well, if you did it in pubs, you got to do it in the competitive thing. So I think it was uh, World at War, April. I sustained a very big lead at number one. I felt comfortable letting it go. It took about like seven months for someone to pass me on the leaderboard, but I was yeah. okay with it. I, I made peace with it because I, I had this thought in my head. I was like, when I get number one, no one's ever passing me. And then I started to realize when you when you get to that top level and you're there, uh, your your perspective on it changes a little bit. You still have the same drive for it. That's why you, you translate the the focus into the competitive, but you want to feel that same feeling for other guys too. You want them to get their shine, but 
Paul Pinocchio sucked. I mean, I beat him 30 to nine in free for all in his German host <laughs> and he got number one. He earned it. But at the end of the day, he knows, he knows where he stands. So we're happy talking he got about the public one, leaderboards here. This guy still got the names written down. He remembers. C-O-L-L hyphen P-I-N-O-C-C-H-I-O all capitalized. He talked a lot of smack. I 1v1 him on his host. He couldn't get 10 kills. I mean, I gave him two chances. He got seven the next time. So. A German host. never changed. This is like 14 years ago now. Like, I mean, same guy, just grinding, getting after it. Um, so you find game battles there. Then what? You probably start playing, um, competing a little bit. I think really your first year is Black Ops 1, right? And that's when you are uh, become a national champ. You win that. And, and obviously, we've all seen that like old photo of, of Doug with the glasses just raising the check. That guy right there. I mean... Uh, I mean, probably a, a huge moment for you. Like, I we know how passionate you are. I mean, you just talked about the public leaderboard, but becoming a national champ—that's that was uh, the biggest accomplishment at the time. That was the the defining moment in my life, Joe. Because I, I still I felt that wasn't even close to what was going to give me longevity in the scene, man. But mm -hmm. that was definitely a defining moment because that that's when I was reflecting back on my mom and I was like, Ma. I mean, my grades, I was a high honor roll kid, and I was 372 out of 412. I was bottom of the school, right? Like football, basketball, I'm one of the best. Now I'm one of the worst. I'm the bench warmer. No one wants to talk to me. No one wants to look at me. No one cares about me. You were grinding. And, and I, was, I was grinding, but I didn't want people to know because I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to know what I was doing with my time every day. I was sitting at lunch tables all by myself, and it was the worst 40 minutes of my life every day. It was very extreme. I, I live a very extreme life, and I risk a lot for the, the things that I look for in life. And... Fortunately, they always do work out because I think the belief that I have and the work I'm willing to put in. But I think most importantly, it's really about when you when you put in those those moments and those days and those those hours where no one's looking. You got to make sure that you're searching for the right people as well. You have to be around the right people because you truly can't accomplish anything alone. So um, I just I just feel very fortunate and blessed that I've made very very amazing connections with very amazing people all around the world, uh, different backgrounds, different ages, different ethnicities that truly are so great and. Um, I'm just really happy that I was able to meet a lot of those people, honestly. <clears throat> it's, it's wild how much it's like shifted, though. Just thinking about like how you were embarrassed back in high school and, you know, you're sitting by yourself and didn't want to talk about it. Whereas like nowadays, like you'd probably be getting high five by the boys for being like number one on Fortnite <laughs> leaderboards or whatever. Like it's just it's it's nuts how much like I, mean, I was the same shifted. way. Yeah. Like, you know, we all started like I think it was end of high school. Um, you know, you start playing more. That's like when MW2 like pcls were like i literally had to like leave soccer practice and peace out or after games people are hung out i was like i literally have a league match at 9 p.m like like oh, you I, told I'm people like, about it joe because back then it was tough to to tell people about that i, I think I, I i think i told a couple of people like some of my really close buddies but they didn't get it they didn't understand it but basically i would just be like no like seriously if i win this match like i make like, a grand and like that was like holy shit dude you could play you could win a thousand dollars <laughs> winning cod and so some of my buddies got it but they didn't under they don't understand it they don't I mean, know how official you are joe you're yeah, that guy I mean, yeah i mean we now you know nowadays they do of course of course but uh and back then no there was no way nobody had any any clue so yeah it was just the way it was but um, joe leaving basketball practice goes to the locker room like puts on a suit and ties like boys i got a league match <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, I got a league match on body. he was intimidating clint you don't understand from my point of view the xbox dudes were coming over to playstation that year in black yeah. ops one everyone's talking about how good xbox players are on the game battle forms you got nade shot is tough saying i'm i'm arriving i'm arriving like, I'm arriving. <laughs> the fuck I'm are arriving. you <laughs> the fuck are you i'm playstation who are you and then that I was see a big deal 
It's man, I'm seeing these guys. Days, and I was I was scared playing these dudes, man. I was playing these guys on the stage, scared for my life. I thought that these guys were gonna school my ass, put me in my place. And you have many times, but you know it's like, yeah, like you, whew, the intimidation was real on the other side. Let me tell you, Joe, I was intimidated. No, yeah, that year, what Black Ops One and MW Two? That's like, yeah, you had uh, PlayStation and Xbox PCLs and. Yeah, then then Black Ops One we had to play on PlayStation, so that was a that was a big deal. Like the different communities merging together, like the comp players on one side versus the comp players on the other, because there was no crossplay uh, that people are used to now. That that just didn't exist. So back then it was funny because we had in what oh that was two thousand and uh one sec let me close this door. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. Go. When when did it get set? Like which um. It was just when like Treyarch got involved and when there was a COD champs that it got like officially this is what you're playing on, right? Or yeah, was it before, that? before that. Before 2011, that 2010, right? 2011? Well, 2011, oh. yeah, with the MLG circuit, the events were PlayStation. Yeah. And that was the crossover. Now in 2023, it's funny because 12 years later, we still have a similar thing. It's the Warzone versus CDL, the viewership with the Warzone, World Series of Warzone finals compared to Chance finals. That's, that's the conversation today. But right. I think the conversation, it's always shifting, but it was really cool in 2011 to see truly like competitors where everyone thought Xbox is better than PlayStation, which I'd say there was more of talent, but there was still obviously great talent on PlayStation that, you yeah. know, won at the highest level too. So it was cool to see both of those guys merge together. It would be fascinating to see some of these big Warzone guys playing in CDL, like the shifties and the biffles that we're talking about today. I think that would be awesome if we saw them trying to get their feet wet and competitive. I think they would be great for the communities too. Oh, I, I, I'd love to see it happen. I, I, I kind of agreed with, I don't know if you saw Zuma's tweet. Like I kind of agree with that. Like, I think there's some people that come over. I think it's going to take it's going to take time, like just because yeah. the intangible stuff, you know, the communication, just all the stuff with day in and day out playing against the world's best. Like it would take time, but there's no doubt that some of them have the gunny. I mean, the first time Joe and I casted Biffle, we were like, this guy's got some, guy, he's guy got some play. Yeah, I know he can shoot his red dot placement. Like he, we, like we knew he was nuts right away, but it's still, you know, well, I mean, you're Mr. Intangibles. You can get it. There's a lot of shit that's just is a little bit different once you're uh, in a league match in an arena set of playing uh, playing against the best day after day. It's a little easier now, I think, because of the information that these guys have access to and the amount of people oh, with experience, too. I mean, yeah, if you take a guy like Biffle who shoots that straight, you got to tell him to get out of his own way. Look, man, this ain't pub stomping. You can't just be running around doing you. You got to let the game come to you. That's the first thing you got to tell those types of guys. And they could, but... It would be fascinating. I'd love to see one of them cross over and, and how they would want to do it and structurally how they would do it. I think they got to think outside the box and they should. I think they should figure out ways to still make their revenue through Twitch and still compete. I don't like the way we're doing this. I don't like the way that people are so secretive about everything and they're just caring about their annual salary from their org. It's like, that's going to dry up. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to have that in the future. This will be the pinnacle of your life if you don't think outside the box. So I'd love to see some of these Warzone guys. I'd love to talk to them too about it because. I like seeing greatness in certain things and people and someone like Biffle can't fail if he's around the right people and he wants it. Someone like Shifty, don't know him too well, but I, I like to think that yeah, these guys have the potential. Well. Yeah, because Joe, I'm, I'm sure you think like this too. When you win and you look back and you see the guys that you beat and the guys that you could have lost to even though you beat them, and you're thinking like, wow, what if that went a little bit differently? And you start thinking about how much true talent's really out there in the world. How many people don't get access to it that's just not in the right situation that could be, that could actually be there. And it's all about just finding that, I think. Well, just who's the best and where are they and how do we get them to play? Yeah, right? I just think the tough part is like, I think I think with like, like Halo guys coming over, like a Shotzi, a Formal, and an Able, there's so much more one-to-one -one 
with like the competitive competitive atmosphere and again just playing its pros day in and day out how different in the fact it's like an arena type game and with the with the teamwork of it that like orgs were willing to take a chance on some of those guys um it's got even more impressive with you know Shotzi I mean I thought formal had a quick like rise up but Shotzi's like on a top team right away I I don't know it'd be hard to justify that kind of risk I think with like a warzone player like just putting them on a top team like I, I don't know if they had to go through the challengers scene like you would know that's a fucking gauntlet so Challengers don't play around, bro. You know, challengers are fishing, man. I mean, I think though too, a lot of those guys, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. They they do have they they know what competitive is for the most part. They probably oh, play yeah, wagers, yeah. like right, like they they know I'm what sure it is. A lot of those guys used to be S and D guys, like they obviously just know where the money's at. But yeah, maybe maybe someone will try challengers or maybe a CDL team will just put them as a sub um because of sort of that story. I mean, maybe worth I, I'd it. I'd love to see it play out. I mean, yeah, I, may, I, might be worth curiosity. it. Yeah. Logically well, yeah, speaking, just, all you got to do is sign them to the org, have them do deliverables, have them stream themselves in challengers. Yeah. The money's going to pay for itself. It's very simple. I mean, the money makes sense. And, and in, in an org in a franchise league where there's depreciating assets annually, why don't we find a way to appreciate the asset? I don't understand why people don't want to try to do things outside of the box. To me, in my head, it's a very cookie cutter thing. You take DS Biffle, hey, don't stream yourself playing Warzone, stream yourself playing challengers. Your viewership will increase. Believe it or not, I know it's going to increase because everyone who watches you, you for know. Warzone yeah. is going to want to be curious, how yeah. good are you really? Are you really that good? And what happens if you fail the challengers? Well, you bring your ass right back to Warzone, you don't lose a beat <laughs> and you don't lose a dollar and you're making your org money. There's a win for everyone in that. So you, you scratch the itch of competing. You figure out if you're good enough or not. You could tell yourself if you're going to be good enough or not. Your org is going to make a profit off of it. I guarantee it. And uh, it's a win. So I don't understand what the problem is. It seems very simple. I think it, yeah. I think once there's a little more structure to like World Series of Warzone and there's more competition between like the actual pros, like I don't know, we might see something like that happen, but it's still kind of been all over the place. Like 99% of the gameplay is like pubs, so it's probably it's probably tough. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully, if once it gets more structured, we'll get to see how this entire thing plays out. Because I'm with you, I think there'll be a lot of eyes on it just to see to see how it how it goes. But I mean, we could chat Warzone forever, obviously. Uh, it was cool to see how the how the finals went. But back back to you a little bit, Dougie. Um, Joe, it, well, this is uh, some tough moments and some amazing moments for Doug. Let's well, yeah, like, we uh, had we had his, well, his national championship. I'm sure for you that was like solidifying. You, that was good money. What was that? 100k. You still have the check? Is that 50. 100k for first? 50k. Oh yeah, there. I know you, you still got the corner. It. Yeah, 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 50. Okay, so that 50. was great money at the time. Okay, but then we kind of get into what I think sort of like your peak with SB ghosts. Um, your AW event, uh, you have Ghost with SB, and I think the big story was what US regionals. You guys take down Complexity. Uh, it was just like that was that was that was huge. W what was that like for you? It's nerve wracking because that was the first time I went out on my own without Vengeance, and Vengeance was my Codfather, and he was the <laughs> guy who he tamed me. You know, I was very energetic, and he was very calm, so he was always the the older figure that taught me the things the right way that I needed to know. I needed to understand everything. He was the guy, and I still to this day keep in close contact with Blake, so shout out Blake if you're watching, but I, that was my first time I went out on my own, and I went out to school, and I got a job, and I quit, and I didn't want to play anymore because I accomplished, you know, number one in pubs, number one in the game. I was done. I was ready to walk away from it all, but yeah, Actually, so you didn't play Black Ops too much? Or? I played MW3, uh, and I was running okay. the game with Scump, Aches, and Teep, and then JCap, Proofy, and Dito on Leverage, and then Envy, but there was nothing to play for, and then Seth right. went to Optic, and the rest was history, but uh, that, that's when everyone quit. Every player really quit that year, and that's why mm -hmm. a lot of those, those European championships, like there was maybe like 
15 to 20 players playing, right? Like no one was really playing, honestly. Everyone, even Aches, I think Aches only went to like one of the EGL Blackburns. But yeah, I mean, everyone kind of stopped playing. I, I, I went in a different direction. I was like, I'm going to be a businessman. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to go into debt. I'm cool with that, you know, because I sacrificed four years in high school. Just to give you guys a little backstory, my grandparents passed away and they left a little bit of inheritance money for me to go to a nice private school, which I asked my mom I wanted to go to there. And when I went to that private school, the Call of Duty addiction took over. So I told my mom all the time, I'm like, look, I, I know that if I didn't win that national championship, I wasn't meant to be there because no human being wanted that more than me. I knew that. And if I didn't get it, that means it wasn't meant to be. I wasn't good enough. And I knew that too. And when it happened, I said, okay, it validates all these bad grades. It validates being the bench warmer on the football team. It validates having no friends. It validates not being good in the sports anymore. It validates not having friends. It validates not kissing a girl. It validates not going downstairs for dinner with my family every night. It validated everything to me. It gave me the true internal validation I always was searching for. Um, and then I was ready to walk away and, and go into debt because I knew if I went into debt with school, I would pay it off because I was that guy. Nothing was going to change my mind. I was going to pay it all off in full. I was going to pay the interest on the debt. I was going to live the American dream. That's, that, that was the mindset, man. But then I saw yeah, Nate yeah. Shot. Nate Shot was doing his thing. He was making like seven to nine grand a month off Twitch. He was, he was killing it. He was the biggest inspiration because he showed me it was possible to have longevity and doing what you want to do and making a pro gaming career a reality. And I, I thought there was nothing more special than galvanizing people at the highest level, inspiring people to be better and pursuing your dream. And even if you fail, cause you're going to lose a lot more than you win, no matter how great you are, as long as you're staying relevant and as long as you're staying competitive and as long as you're still pursuing that daily, there's no better life fulfillment in my mind. So to see Nate shot actually make it real, change my perspective. I quit, I quit school. I quit my job. Um, went straight back into gaming with SB and ghost that year. So it was scary. It was scary to come back because I took the yeah, year so you off. Didn't play no Black Ops 2 at all. No, no one wanted to play with me. I went to the first okay. event in BO2 and I quit, went straight to school. I, I didn't quit in MW3. I quit because everyone quit at the end, but then in BO2, yeah, I only yeah. went to the first event. It, it went terrible. I dropped Clay It was the worst decision I made in my life, dropping Clay. And then, Is that um, when you guys were the construction vet? Yeah, it was, it was a low point, Joe. Yeah. I mean, you were, sad. that is though, before though, you went, that was when you went from skinny dog to you. That's where you were lifting though, too. Like you, you show up to that, <laughs> that event and everybody's like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> this guy's a little incredible Hulk now. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, that's Doug. Like, but it yeah, was cool. Okay. It was, it was very cool. But yeah, I think Ghost was scary because I, I, I started building in BO2 and I needed a duo and Apathy came that guy to me because we had really good conversations and I could just tell he was about the grind and, I wasn't sold on this game yet until we beat you and Ghost actually at UMG Philly that Octane mm -hmm. round eleven when he aced you guys. That was when Apathy, to me, became my my ultimate duo. He was that guy to me at that point. Glad I deleted he, that one from my mind, but I'm glad he did that. Yeah, that <laughs> hug, that hug I gave him after that that that's when I knew I was like Brian, you might be as good as Venge. Like you might be. Like, yeah, that's your guy. He's Wait, my guy. Ace and Search and Destroy. This sounds fucking make believe. So it happened fast. It was a very quick yeah. ace. It was very quick. I don't even know what he did to this I day. Would, I would have kind of guessed it was like that because, like, I, yeah, it, I, he's not always been known for his SD prowess and decision making. But if it was just like gunning for people, sure. probably. That, that, and it was against Quinn. It was against Joe's team. Joe's team was official. Yep. It was Merck. Oh. It was Rambo. I believe it was Big Timer. No, or was he on Optic? Philly. It was my envy. We were, it was proof and I think Goon. It was a weird proof. team, my Philly it was team. Proof. Yeah, proof, so proof, proof and Goon, yeah. Proof was up on a pedestal. You were up on a pedestal. Um, yeah, I mean, your team, Envy was always like, that to, to this day. That pedestal. 
To this yep. day, Envy was always the fa- my favorite team I played on in my life. I love the branding. I love Stro. I love the the message behind the team. I love their. Just, I wish I could have been on that team for longer than just an online two month period. But mm-hmm. I loved Envious, man. Like that was just to beat you guys at that moment in Philly was watching Brian do that because that was his coming out like moment to me because I I always saw things in practice with him, but I didn't really know what he had until that moment. That was the moment. Game five, round eleven, defense. He's pushing up to that a bomb site, four piece. What? No one did anything. You just did that? You won us the game? What? <laughs> what, Brian? You're crazy, man. Like, oh my well, enough God. about apathy shitting on me. Then you guys went to regionals and you guys beat complexity. That was like the oh, moment, trying. right? I was thinking I was thinking octane like Sam LaRue, not octane the map. No. That's why I was like, search. oh so oh so search. Op did it. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, got it. yeah. Octane. For some reason he said octane for I was like, octane acing? That doesn't sound right at all. Okay. App, <laughs> app doing it makes a whole lot more sense. Still hearing yeah, octane. Was, I go to Sam LaRue you... instantly. App, Dito, All I remember and Octane was like Nato. TK and their four Nato. like four snipers that would come out at one point in the game. That's like that's like what I remember about that. Nade running around yeah. with Deddy and four snipers is all I can remember about that map. But yeah, beating complexity that had to have been a a crazy moment for you, right? Yeah, because it was so cool. Because everyone everyone kind of just bought in. It was it was it was effortless, honestly. Uh, just to see Brian, he made a couple of really amazing plays, 1v4 and a Sovereign. I mean, Dito was like a 2.0 every respawn map. Nato just does the Nato things. Dito was kind of nuts ghost. Yeah, it was very cool to see these guys because at that time, Dito and Saints lived with each other and they did not like each other at all. But I knew they needed to play with each other and I knew that we couldn't win without each other together. I knew that that four-man group needed to get together and there was no... I actually flew to their home to make sure that that bridge was connected because I had to make sure that they were on did the same page. some couples counseling. I had to make sure that those guys saw the vision <laughs> I was looking at in my head because I saw Dito Saints Apathy myself as a winning team and there was no other alternative. I had to fly out there and I had to make sure... I don't give a fuck, Saints, about how you feel about Ken. Ken, I don't care how you feel about Nato. I don't care how Chelsea feels about Sydney. I don't care about this, that, the other thing. I care about winning. If we want to win, this is how it's going to get done. And I, I, I felt really good to see them every day just believing in the goal and putting their differences truly to the side and uh, truly seeing them believe in the common goal. And then when you see it starting to happen, it changes everything. It, it makes their lives so different. Uh, it makes them feel so much more fulfilled and confident in themselves and they they could really just delegate sacrifice and commitment a lot better which is just the best feeling when that happens because then you know you have a real team and it's going to be really hard for your team to be stopped i need to get sam larue out of my head that's all you think about this is before <laughs> sam larue was sam larue yeah, the exactly, exactly. that's how yeah, that yeah. would go now i'm like thinking yeah. back i'm like how do you even think that dude fuck i love you sam you're just hot you know <laughs> um so you guys take down complexity uh champs Obviously, doesn't it doesn't go your, your way? You guys still got top four. I mean, I know you were probably thinking we're winning this damn thing. We just beat complexity. Um, you guys get top four there, and then like after champs, there was a ton of like roster changes, but you bounce back. You win Nashville, and that was under phase, right? Was that your first event under phase, or like the first time you won under them? I think it was my second event in phase. The first one was Dallas. We got top sixteen with Haggy, Ken, and Brian. We traded Ken for Karma because Karma reached out to me to join us. He wasn't happy on the dynasty anymore. He was having his kid. He was going through a lot of changes in his life. And he just, he Skyped us. He's like, yo, Doug, I want to join. And I said, well, if you're going to join, I need you to replace Ken, even though I love Ken, because it ain't going to work if we replace you with anyone else. You have to replace him. And Ken Ken was okay with it. I mean, we, we won together. I called him right away. I was like, yo, Ken, I have bad news and I have good news. The bad news is that we're going to drop you. 
Good news okay, to you. Dog, EG. I said, the good news <laughs> is that you're going to play on the dynasty. He's like, yeah. that, I love you, bro. Good luck. And I said, likewise, Ken. Love <laughs> you too, man. And that was well, it. Well, dude, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have this weird memory of this small period with Karma where you got, it was an Octane Dom and it was a scrim, I think. And Karma was just screaming at you. And it was just like, Dog, if you're the first in the objective, like you can't just sit in the objective. You gotta fucking push out. Like I, I remember like this karma. karma <laughs> a couple rarely, of YouTube videos. I, I rarely he rarely snaps, but I vaguely remember you two like getting into it during a practice or something at one like point. Two K or something. Dude, it was well, so I don't, good. I don't know so why good. I remember this, but I feel like I remember like you two just getting into it about something. Yeah, he pissed me off too because <laughs> I, I owned him that year. He couldn't beat me. I couldn't lose to that guy on a map all year long. That's why he messaged us to join us. And I didn't care that he won the world championship the year before. I don't care he won it that year because he didn't play us. In my head, he never played us. You are the reason he didn't play us, Joe. You. That's true. If you guys didn't have the run you had, his ass would have been whooped. But hey, it's hearsay because he won and we didn't. So, But either way, regardless, he had his two world championships back to back. He knew he was, you know, he knew that's why he hit us up because he knew he could help us win. And I knew he could help us win. And I was very happy with him joining. However, I knew he was going through a lot of changes in his life. And I knew I was, you know, I was always a scapegoat. And I was okay with it because I know I could handle being the scapegoat. I could handle that very well. And I was just waiting for the moment to come when Karma's ego clashed because Haggy's always going to validate Damon and Brian's going to be neutral and he's going to be my guy on the side. But, you know, I'm always going to be the scapegoat of the team. So one day he just snapped on me. Um, I still want to know how he felt about that because we never really spoke too much about it. I want to know <laughs> what made him snap. My, my assumption is that he was going through a lot of life changes at the time because in that argument, I, I know he's wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm, I have no problem admitting to it. But I knew he was wrong in that argument. And he didn't want to be told in his place because he just won two world championships, which was understandable. But I let him have his moment. I let him scream at me. I let him do his thing because I said, you know what, Damon? At the end of the day, you are right. You got your two world championships, dog. You won this year. You won in Ghost. You're a great player. I play with you daily. I mean, you are the guy. You're great. Um, but I'm also that guy too, though. So you know what? Shut the fuck up and show up at the event and win it. Because if you don't, I'm going to scream back at your ass, dude. If you want to talk like this to me and you don't show up in this big moment to win this tournament, I'm going to make sure you fucking know because you can't ever talk to me like that in practice when I'm going to perform in the game and you're going to be holding my ass back. That was the mentality I went into the tournament with. So I started the first map 10-0 on Strike Zone Dom. We're in a pool play match, and I think that was when Damon just kind of just, you know, he was like, oh, shit. This right. guy, this guy's well, you guys won. Right? You guys won Nashville, so it worked out. Yeah, we I hugged just, after. We I hugged after, and he moment. was so he was so cool. He was such a cool guy because I, I wanted him to. I really, I, even though he pissed me off, and even though I knew I was right, <laughs> I wanted his validation so bad because I just respected his greatness. I knew how great he was and how yeah. versatile he was, and uh, even though he was just not treating me the way I felt I should have been treated, I still knew the only way he would treat me the way I want to be treated is if I won with him. And after we won, I, I was walking around that Gaylord Hotel with him because it was massive, right? Like you guys remember how yeah. big that place was. It was you know, it was so late. It was like one in the morning. We just had a 12 hour day. We got some food after Brian's with Maria. Ken's with his, or not Ken. Haggy's just doing Haggy things or whatever. I don't even know. And me and him are just walking. And I just told him, I was like, yo, I, I saw this moment coming. This was the exact moment I saw coming. The day you yelled at me, I said, there's only one reality that happens now. We win. Because you want to yell at me like that. I know who I am. You better be careful how you talk to me. Good thing you said that to me because now you woke me up. And you woke me up and here it is. So a little bit of luck too but you know it's really nice when the luck goes your way and you can have those memories with these great people and i'll always remember hugging him at night and the smile he gave me and yeah that's always going to be like the thing i think of with damon
I'll be honest with you, we didn't even have that in the script. You just said karma, and I was like, why do I remember like him screaming at? But that was actually really cool to. Cool I mean, to Damon, hear. Just like, and listen, Damon back in the lighthouse too. Like, obviously, that impact team was crazy. You can watch some freaking impact. They were hard to play com, against, com. man. Uh, they were hard to play against, but they were a passionate group. They loved yelling at each other. But even yeah. when he joined Envy with Black, and like I did as well, like end of Black Ops Two and Yos, him and Ray, dude. There's also some some arguments between those two. Probably very similar. Like, Damon was either nothing to be said, like, very calm and quiet, or yeah. the opposite. That was it. I just remember sitting in a room one time, like, the Envy house. There was a crazy argument, and me and Proof were just sitting next to each other, like, bro, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, what just happened? Like, I don't even know. So, yeah, that's old Damon. He, he was a bit of a firecracker for sure. Our personalities were undefeated in the come up of Call of Duty. The people, yeah, the, everything. It was so real. It was like, because I think the, 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 the mindset switches now. I'm in the room with these guys all the time. Uh, it's about the annual salary. It's that first. It's the annual salary first. It's always, I don't care what any of these players say. They're capping. There's a very, Scrappy might be one of the few guys I believe when he says he's about the winning. Kismet as well. These guys care about the annual salary first, and that's their biggest issue. And I always make that clear when we recruit people to Boston Academy. Don't worry about the money that's going to come. If you really are, and, and I make sure I pick the right dudes, but like, look, don't, don't put the salary first because I remember those moments with Damon or Ray. Ray was a great role model. You were a great role model. Uh, Big T, these guys, you guys had to win. You had to win to make it a career. I, I had survive. to win to make it yeah. a career. We had to survive by winning. You couldn't survive mm -hmm. by having a green KD and making a $200,000 salary. That just wasn't... That was preposterous. Let's just put it for what it is. It just doesn't add up. So when you have that true, okay, we have to win to survive. Then you start seeing how the arguments happen. You start seeing how the practice happens. The Frico Impact Team. You talk about passion. That's understating it. We don't yeah. have that in Call of Duty now. So I think that the top heavy part of the league, it's easy for these guys to stay relevant at the top because I think the bottom teams are so weak because they don't trust each other. And it's not about even talent. It's just the mindset and mentality of today's age. So it's very interesting to be around this long, Joe. And I'm sure, Clint, you too, you cast all these games. You see all these guys. You talk behind the stages. You guys know everything too. To see the mentality shift, it's just interesting to see. That's the way I, I put it in my head. I think that's why, like, Joe and I put a lot of stock in, like, that kind of killer instinct, the winning mentality, because I think we both expected it to kind of go that way. Because when you watch, it's a two-edged sword because you want more money to come in. You want that stability. You know, you want, you want these people to be able to make it a career and not have to stress about, you know, a paycheck to paycheck event to event. Yeah. You want that hundred percent. But like yeah. what you've seen happen with like, I don't know, uh, more modern sports. So you think of like uh, the NBA and stuff. I, mean, I can't remember the percentage, but it's pretty high. If I remember correctly, the interview is like a percentage of people that of the NBA pros that like love it versus see it as like a job now like it's just a job it's a paycheck and i think that's just sort of what happens when that much money gets into it but like one of the good things about that is i think that winning mentality and killer instinct like that really is what's going to separate the good from the great now like that really really yeah. is like it's a it's a relatively there's everybody's talented it's just who wants it more yeah, who's willing to make the right plays do the right things yeah it's way it's way it always goes, man. Winners win. There's it's it's difficult to do, but people the right people always figure it out or a certain and amount it's of just people. Like, yeah, it's just sort of expected. Like I know it's frustrating, Doug, but it's like I don't know. You kind of want. I don't know if there's a way to get it to a point where like you know salaries in a place where everyone's comfortable and that same desire is there. Like I don't know. It's kind of yeah. 
got to pick the right guys, it's man. Kind of, it's kind of a pipe dream. But you, yes, you have to find the guys that want to do that. But I guess to expect everyone to stay that way, I think it's kind of impossible. It just is. Yeah. Um, so that's the end of Dose. Uh, you then win the first AW event, which was the crazy phase versus Optic Final. Uh, Pat cut his hand Saturday night going into Sunday. I know that was like the big story, but I'll never forget like your like last round where you like get like a two or three three piece to win on what was that map called where like recovery recovery yeah because it changed in pubs but it stayed the same yeah. in S and D uh, that was like a I mean that that whole event was insanity was it, for was it like a big like bio lab like one v one it was like formal and Pat or formal and Brian <laughs> game seen- uh, game two second best of five 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 X versus formal. That's what it was. Yeah, I mean, it was a massive one v one. Doug's got a fresh mind. This guy. I remembers sat next it to this all. guy, Pat. I had no <laughs> doubt. I said, "Look, I don't care about this formal dude. He's official. I team with him in Ghost. He's official." <laughs> Good, Joe, you won with him at the end. You guys were dominant with mm-hmm. Cap and, and Ant. Dominant roster. That guy's not Pat right now, though. I don't care. I don't care what he's going to do in the future. What he did in the past in this forty-five second period, I was like, "Because Pat, you know how he is. He's so lazy, but he's so killer instinct. He's." He doesn't want to keep that work ethic consistent because he knows that's what he's got. A perfect, yeah. No, that's and perfect I was analogy. waiting. I was so patient with this guy for weeks because he was shitting the sheets in practice every day and not caring about practice, talking about how he was going to just show up to the event and win. I know the mindset. I get it. That was the moment to me. And I'm like, well, every all the trades didn't go. like It just happens. He's in the 1v1. It's a long 1v1. They don't know where each other are. I'm just like, I was just waiting to stand up and scream because I knew Formal wasn't going to win it. There couldn't have been a world... Because Pat just kept on saying every day how, put me in the moment, I'm that guy. Put me in the moment, I'm that guy. I'm playing You're probably just hoping his hand doesn't fall off, though, too. You're probably like, <laughs> so many dude. things that, that, that So many things about it. Like People don't really give Pat the, the credit I think he deserves. Because not only is he an amazing player who could put up numbers and win. Yeah, he could put up the 1.2, the MVP, mm-hmm. and win. But he, he creates, I, I very much have respect for people who could create blueprints for success. Pat understands how to create a blueprint, a winning blueprint in anything he approaches in life. And with Call of Duty, he was one of the best at that I've ever known. I mean, to this day, I still think if Pat wanted to be a general manager of a Call of Duty team, I think he would be the best in the game. I, I, I can't see a person other than Pat because the way he is and how he evaluates things to make a winning formula. And that's what I love so much about him is how he could see that blueprint and make it real. He'd probably include himself some way. That's, that's he should. He should. Yeah, honestly, he should. <laughs> he probably. He probably would. Um, so you win that event. That was crazy. But then things. Is this when you start to focus a little bit more on like YouTube? Is this when that starts to happen? Because you have you're in phase like end of ghost into AW. Uh, I think you have a couple more events through like AW, but not much more in the jetpack era. Is this when this is like the big big social focus? Go ahead. I have one a more story event. here. One more event one after more? I won okay. that event. One more, and that was it for me. I was done. I had nothing after that one event after that one. I okay. won that event with the team. Pat, phenomenal. Slasher, a shout-out to Slashers on Boston now. This Slasher's first event win. Brian, our last one together. And uh, I was probably the happiest I ever felt in that moment because it was just validation all the time. Uh, every, every player that turned us down, I wanted Krim and Attach going into AW. Krim went to Optic, Attach went to Nile, sent their asses home. One with Slasher and Pat with Brian as well on the side. So my validation was so high. My my fulfillment inside of me was so good. And then Temper comes up to me, whispers in my ear that same night we won. Yo, we're going to make Aix the captain. And I, I knew right then and there it was over. It was done because I knew Pat. I knew Pat. It didn't matter what we did at the event. didn't matter we won. In his head, if he has the keys and he wants to win a world championship, it was nice to win with you, Doug. 
but I'm going to win with this other guy now. And that's yeah. that's how I knew it was going to go down. So um, it really was frustrating that Temper didn't believe in me because I feel that if Temper believed in me, I could have done everything Nate Shot did with Optic and then some. Because Nate Shot showed me that blueprint. I had the phase blueprint. I had the, the phase house New York. We had all the content going down. We're, we're gaining like 6,000 subs daily on YouTube, each member, sometimes 10K subs a day on YouTube. We got half a million views daily getting posted by every member. And I'm that guy, the face of this phase roster that's winning. Best believe I'm going to make that thing the highest level of success it could be. And it never reached it. And I think that you need people that are willing to think outside the box. In terms of the whole overall, let's grow this thing to a new level, not the championship part. Yes, you need to win. But it, winning isn't everything. You need to be able to do more than that. That's what Nade Shot showed us. It's not about just winning. You got to get people in, enjoyed in the content. And I always wanted that with FaZe so bad. And for Tommy to say that to me, told me that he valued Aches being the GOAT over what I felt could have been the future of FaZe. I, I really felt like we could have done something very special there. But he, he kind of just jerked me around, wasted my time for years, gave me sweet nothings, whispered in my ear, gave me the back pocket content route, which was very appreciated because it gave me longevity. But at the same time, I left FaZe for a good reason. And I'll stand true to that to this day. They, they lied to me about wanting to play on the team. They told me they were going to give it to me multiple times. They pushed the blame on Sebastian, but they never looked within and, and believed in me. They could have just said, we don't believe in you, Doug, and we'll just let you be a content creator. I would have never had any ill will, but I'll always remember that to this day. I'll never forget that. And um, I just always wanted to just make FaZe the biggest, most competitive team ever. And now that I got Boston, that's the goal here. So, Well, I, I mean, in an alternate universe, I, I personally would love to see that because I do think, like, obviously FaZe was, like, when you look at our events, right, obviously Optic, you know, just from the start that's what they have done you are correct right they, like people have bought into their content phase was always sort of doing the same thing but not in competitive crowd it was more like the snipers and then the irl yeah. stuff I, I would love to see like yeah like what maybe you could have done because i do think that there's such a big fan base there but they aren't bought into like the competitive call of duty side that makes sense but i know you're like frustrated with how the competitive side went but obviously the <clears throat> non-competitive side for you explodes yeah i mean you gotta be cashing out around this point yeah. yeah 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 so it's like do you you just wish i guess you just kind of think you probably you think you could have done both absolutely absolutely i could have done everything i still to this day feel i can and i'm going to and that's why we're going to do it with boston now but it was just heartbreaking because I always looked at it like my baby. I mean, they gave me the, the trust to be the captain and I gave them two championships in the first six months and they kicked me off the team. And I just get called and painted as a loser for that. And I just find it fascinating because I've wanted everything I've done in my whole life, always. So I knew where that was going to head. And it's just so frustrating when you, Joe, when you win in COD and you see how it goes and you win again, you've won how many championships, Joe? How many have you won? I don't won? remember. I don't know. You've won a lot of championships, Joe, and you've mm -hmm. been there so many times. So you know the feeling of when it's about to happen and you're about to get that one or that six, you know, you've been <laughs> so there before. Many, so you... I, I don't, I don't know. No, yeah, Joe, don't like, hey, he's being honest, Clay. No, he's being dude, honest with us. It's back with like the plumbers and accountants, dude. That's what they say. <laughs> it's uh, funny how people try to dismiss Joe like that, but I, I played against Joe. I know oh, what I he's know. got. I know. I know what he's got in him, man. And you know, when you get that feeling and, and my biggest ultimate long-term goal in my head was Nade shot is my inspiration. Nade shot showed the path to do this. No one's doing it outside of optic. They need a rival. They need someone to rival them. They need to make this fun. We got to talk shit to these guys. We got to tell them that they're not shit. We got to tell them that there's another guy coming in here. And but but we got to back it up with the wins though. You can't mm -hmm. just talk the big game without the wins. We got to get those wins. But we would. Well, even we already, even during that time, like 
ghost for optic wasn't great like they were still building content like before the the dynasty right like they weren't winning everything like when obviously they they did but it took some time to find the right roster right yeah. that wasn't always always it like yeah but yeah, of they, course as you were saying you have to find the wins for sure they were annual but, winners you know they won x games yeah. in ghost right so they won every if you win one a year i consider that a massive success you just being right. able to win once a year is great i, I agree yeah. that was always my goal it was like yeah, at same. some point during the year like you could call yourself the best like that was the goal for me like you might it. have those events where you get the 16th or the 8th you might even mm -hmm. get a top 24 i've seen that happen with i think it happened with you joe uh you get these bad places. Okay, cool. Like, but it's a long season. We know this. At some mm. point during the season, we just have to say that we're on top. If we could do that, the goal was complete. Because you know how high level the competition is, how amazing all the teams are and the players are too. So yeah, we, we all know that. But Nate Shot showed that 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 formula. And I was so adamant of following his formula and adding to it. I still to this day I I revere him for that because just like with Jackson Italiano with the pull-ups, the formula he has for this, this pull-up world record, I revere him. I, I, I put this guy on a pedestal in my head because if you could create these blueprints, that's how you, you progress and that's how you evolve and that's how you grow. So uh, I, I was, it's always that what if in my head. I, I only have one thing in my head and it's not even my fault, but that what if. What if Tommy just never believed in Pat? What if Tommy just said, no, Doug, you're the guy? Because I didn't give him a reason not to trust me. My results spoke very highly. I had 250,000 subs on YouTube. We won two championships in six months. What more yeah. can you want? What more can you possibly want from me? I was doing anything was, possible, but it just it always uh, it always sits wrong with me in my head. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I, I get it at that time with Pat. I mean, I can understand oh, it for sure, but, especially that, like, when you're winning. I mean, yeah. and again, I mean, this is like sort of your you know, Ghost was great for you. Yeah, you own AW in the first event, so I get it. You're thinking, fuck Pat everybody. Pat got dropped else. three months later. He wasn't right, on pace exactly. three months later. I would have been there <laughs> forever. Now, like a little bit into the future right you're kind of not playing anymore you're again youtube's going nuts um were you like all right this is i'm i'm okay with this because i don't know i've never had like a giant youtube channel uh like i don't really remember like how crazy it was for you at the time but life was going pretty well three thousand dollars a day every day minimum 1500 if i don't want to do anything and just jerk off and just do nothing make 1500 sure. in a day it was every day, every day for years. You're just sitting there making this money. You're looking at a spreadsheet. You take your mouse. You look at your analytics. You hover over the day. Oh, 1,200, 3,000, 10,000. Sniper Wolf drama. That's cool. 5,000, 6,000, 50K this month. 40K so were you month, like happy K. with what was happening or were you just like, no, I just miss competing? It's the reason I don't do it as much as I used to. I, I felt that the message wasn't genuine anymore. I felt like my, my love for your net was changing. I felt like I can't sell a love story that I'm not believing in. I could, mm. I could do it, but it's going to compromise my soul at the end of the day. And the money's great. Yeah, of course. I mean, you come from nothing, you start making money like that. Sure. Yeah, you feel good about it. But you, you think about that all the time before you have it. You think about it every single day because you don't want to be in the same situation you're in today. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, just be in that situation anymore. So you, you know that that moment's going to happen. You know, you're going to get there somehow. And when you do it, you want to feel fulfilled. And I, I wasn't feeling that way. I, I never felt that way, truly. So that's why I came back to competitive COD. Can I ask you an important question? And, you know, Doug, Joe being a married man at this time, I don't know why he'd be looking at things like this to begin with. I was with. not married so, at the time. Okay, so Joe wasn't married at the time. but it, I, I was I, browsing I, Reddit. Doug, do you remember this? It was me, by the way. You Do Do you remember this in AW? We were playing eights. Thank you, Joe. Okay, <laughs> let me you. explain Thank you very much, my Joe. story. Clint's trying to put me on the spot here. We're playing AW eights at night. All right, I'm browsing Reddit in between series. And there's like a Reddit title, and it's like, this is why people watch 
the Weather Channel in Mexico. And I was like, oh, let me check it out. And obviously, it's a, a GIF of like Yannette like turning around. It, it is what it is. Like we all know what we saw. <laughs> I sat, I sent this to the boys. I was like, guys, check this out, right? <laughs> the boys were looking. And then Doug, literally like the next day or two, said, I'm going to fucking Mexico. Okay. So in a in a world like, yeah, it, it was Joe. I mean, I didn't Joe's tell Doug to do this. He's but the like, reason. I was browsing Reddit. I don't know what to tell you. Chris trying to put me on the spot. Like, no, no. I think it's I think it's hysterical that there's like, <laughs> like this connection between you two, between like what went down in Ghost it is and, it is and all this like the history between you two, and then uh, this this wild it's moment like wild. Doug's life. I mean, like, Doug, you're, Doug you're obviously the one, is the reason why it's why it's wild. Well, I know, but, but like, yeah. you were like you were like the match, bro, and then he was the flamethrower or whatever you went to. I still can't believe Doug was just like, ah, I'm so far to Mexico. Fuck yeah. Me. So what? Like, I mean, we don't have to talk too long about this. No, no, no. I think, I think if it's I, crazy. If I'm no, I, me, me and Yannette are in great terms. I talked to her yesterday. We still talk very consistently. I, I still have a lot of love for her. I, she's always going to be in my life somehow. She's always going to be in my life somehow, forever. No, it's great. But I, I guess like, trying to remember this correctly, because this was seven, eight years ago now. You literally just said... Like I'm doing this, like I'm go, I'm just going to Mexico. I'm going to meet her. Like that was it. Like, how did that all go down again? Like you just like reached out. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, I think what it is is, because uh, it's funny how this is the truth. Like we're playing those. It, nothing was better than late night eights back in the day. <laughs> yeah, we were me, just playing eights. you, nameless, accuracy, everyone, every skump would make mm -hmm. some cameos every now and then. To them, Pat would sometimes mm -hmm. make a cameo. Teep sometimes would make a cameo. Yeah, but we had grinders up in there, goon, everyone, man, and you know, we're just it was. We need to bring that back with the CDL, these these eights. And we did it a little bit last year, but we're going to do that more now moving forward. We need these guys to feel that that real feeling of grit we had because I think the, the CDL takes it away a little bit just because of the, the times. But yeah, I mean, back then it was, um, I think for me it was, you go through high school not kissing a girl. You you don't have a girlfriend. I kind of got dumped by both of my girlfriends because they lost interest in me when I was a middle school kid. You know, I'm sixth grade and seventh <laughs> grade. Like, I had these two little like flings for a few months, but now you're now you're like you know 19 years old and you're still a virgin you haven't experienced anything with women at all you've sacrificed your life for the game and it's true and it's real and you're you're thriving in it so you, and you then keep you doubling down glow up too that i mean you, you get the glow up. up you get the national you championship jacked. you get jacked yep. you get more confident you start feeling like you're the man yeah. and you know that it's done with a great foundation there was no secrets to it there was no lying to it there was no shortcuts it was just true genuine honest good work and it just feels very fulfilling so you, you feel like there's nothing you can't do and then you're just making these cut comms talking on youtube every day and then you gave me the ammunition right and i'm looking at it and i'm like she is very beautiful uh she does look great uh i'll go to mexico and i was very big still to this day i'm very big on honoring my word i never want to not honor my word i don't like when i say i'm going to do something and i don't do it so uh yeah it's it's just very important to think about what you're going to say before you're going to say it and a lot of the times it'll come out as crazy but hey like i'll prove you right every time i'm crazy and i'm about that so with her it was very nerve-wracking um the moment you get on the plane that was when it got very nerve-wracking it wasn't before then but she was very receptive to me immediately from the beginning and you get on that plane and then it hits you and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah, what the why am I, am I doing this, dude? No. <laughs> oh man, why am I doing this right now? I had a dream on the plane. I was falling asleep. And the dream was such a real dream. It was it was reality. It was me in the plane as I'm sleeping in the plane. But I'm waking up my eyes inside of the dream. And as I'm looking out the window, it's like 5:30. The sun's about to start setting. 
and I just see another plane coming in and the plane starts getting closer and closer. And then we, we crash and then I wake up from the dream, but then it repeats itself and it repeated itself what like 10 times. Fuck? This is what happened on the flight going to Mexico the first time. And it, it, it scared me that's, from flying for a few I'm years. Sure that's it like some sort of like anxiety, I'm sure. Like of yeah. the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to the airport and you're thinking like, all right, I'm not leaving this airport. I'm not going to get off the airport grounds until I know I'm safe because that's where I feel safe is this airport when I'm here. Mm. Sure enough, there she is waiting. She's right there waiting. So. Yeah, that was that was a story. I mean, was there anything like? I mean, again, you're you're like pretty much making YouTube like this is gonna be great content. Like, was was that at all what you were thinking, or was it just like? It was just fascinating because obviously I'm gonna do the content no matter what. It's a part of the yeah. life, and if I want to be successful, I gotta film these things. I can't get away with not filming these things. I gotta so find a balance between it all. I'm just doing it, and she's gonna appreciate it for what it is because it's real. And if you don't, then mm. you're not right for me. You're just wasting my time too. Because look, I'm going somewhere. You want to go along for this ride? You trust me. If you don't, so be it. I'll figure out the next step or the next move, however it might be. But it was definitely. Um, the most life-changing moment, I think, in terms of reality hitting very quickly when that happens. And I think that's why we're so close to this day still. And it's funny how we're both still single. That's very funny to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a big moment in your life, all right? It's like a big thing. Yeah, I mean, God, when that happens, everybody was talking about it. I mean, I'm sure, like, the videos were nuts. We just saw there a couple there. Like, there were millions of people sort of tuned in. It was, a, it was like a reality show in a way. Like, people wanted to know what you two were doing. That, that's for sure. I did. I, I I was into yeah. it. I don't even know why, but 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 uh, but I was. And dude, I, I wanted to ask you because I forgot about this. And Doug, I'm sorry, neither of us ever watched it. But like in the midst of this all, you were in a movie, dude. You were in you were in Sharknado, right? And I I guess I just want to know like what that was like. Like on set, was it cool? Was it just kind of cheesy? Like what? I don't know. It was everything you imagine. It's always been a dream to be a movie star, and I still have the dream, but. It was everything I expected it to be, and it was beautiful, and it was amazing, and everyone was very professional, and I, I was doing it with Yannette, you know, and I, I really do think a lot of my greatest moments came with her, because um, we always understood the goal. We always understood the highest level goal and how to achieve it, so, you know, just being in a beautiful hotel in London and having everything handed to you at, on a silver platter and uh, getting paid to, to act and you know, even though it's a small cameo, it's, it's the way it starts. You know, everything, we all know, everything's baby steps. You can't it's very rare you see an instant overnight success, right? Like everyone has to start small. So you never know what something's going to lead to. You never know. Yeah, you, you never know. Have some on on the the resume, right? If that's really what you want to do, everyone has something. That's you got to start small. You got to do one foot in front of the other. And you know, it was it was a great. It was one of my favorite memories, honestly. Uh, just being with Yannette every day, just walking around in London, and just being very inspired, and uh, being around a great cast and a great crew, and knowing that for what we had to do. We did the best that we had to do for our role yeah. and just being in that moment and, and just, you know, it's all about the respect. I feel when you walk around in rooms, the, the number one thing I'm looking for is uh, I want to be around people that I, I truly look up to that I love like you guys. And I, I want to know that the feeling is mutual. And, and when you do that on a movie set with people and you know your place and you got to know your place, that's the thing. When you know that, hey, we're here for a cameo, like we're not that big of a deal, like. You know, we're here to have some fun and do our job. Just have right? some self-awareness with it, yeah. Everyone, everyone opens up a little bit more, so you get to learn a lot more. You get to, you know, just to be able to learn from Ian Ziering a little bit because he was on Beverly Hills 90210 and understand his mentality to be the main lead role in the movie, and I saved his life in it. And I had like a, a day. I had one full day with him where it's like, all right, his job for the day is to associate with me. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to be a sponge to this guy. Yeah, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to listen to everything and just be a sponge to him. So awesome. it was a great, great, great memory. And uh, love movies. Love them so much. They're so much fun. Wow, that's dope. I, that's a great experience. 
Um, I, I guess we, we didn't want to spend a ton of time on like the, you know, this period. Um, I wanted to get, you know, into the next sort of Call of Duty segment of your life. But the only other thing I guess I kind of want to know about, like, I remember like just with the with the breakup, how public it was, like every news site in the world was just like pro gamer dumps model. Like it was literally just everywhere. And like, I think anyone like Joe and I are pretty normal dudes. We've been in relationships like we get it. Stuff wasn't working up. I don't care how I don't care how hot somebody is. If like the, if it's not working out, it's not working out. Like most people got it. But like you obviously and this was one too. You, you wanted to return to God. You're like, this is what I want to do again. Right. This is like you wanted to go back to competing. You're like, I missed the real shit. It was so difficult. It was very, very difficult because I had a girl named Marilyn who I truly was my first love, my second girlfriend. She was my first love. And it was very difficult for me because Yannette was my true love, but Marilyn was my first love, right? Like, mm -hmm. so I knew I was falling out of love with Yannette. I knew I had unfinished business and I knew I wasn't going to be a cheater. And I knew I wasn't going to lie to no one. I wasn't talking to the girl on the side every day and building something. No, I just knew in my head, look, this is the time in your life. You got to figure that part of you out because I can't, I can't move forward loving this girl and telling her how much I love her if I truly don't feel that way inside right now. I, I have to be honest about it. I can't lie about it. Yeah, I have to do the right thing. It. You got to do the right thing because it would have been very easy to just cheat or go behind her back or handle it in other ways. But I, I just wanted to be very honest about it. And I figured that out the hard way because I didn't take time in between the relationships. And I think when you just go into a second relationship, even though I knew it was wrong, I still wanted to do it anyways. And when you do that, there's loose ends that need to be tied and there's time that needs to happen in between these things just for you to be able to mature and have a good understanding and a mindset going into something fresh and to give it really 100%. So when you when you have all that internet attention affecting you, plus you have a new relationship you're jumping right into without truly like having much too time, much. you didn't have much time, it's, it's too much. And then you're also trying to compete at the same time and you're playing on a on a controller with 5ms when everyone's on an overclock controller that alone is the biggest thing i feel but you got all these little things happening and then you have an insecurity in your relationship because it's being compared to your sec your first relationship that's so amazing and you're doing all these bucket list things i, I mean i lived a lifetime with you net garcia in three years i, I went everywhere with her right. in the world there's not much more i could have done i felt we could have traveled to more places for sure but like we lived a lifetime in three years together and it's hard because I felt in the second relationship, there was always a comparison, which pissed me off because I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for something different now. I'm looking to evolve now. I'm not looking to compare to the, the past now. I'm looking to move forward. I, I don't want to soak and bask in all the old stuff. I want to marinate new stuff and put time and effort into new things. I don't care how big or small they're going to be. Look, I feel very happy inside, but like we got to get moving in a good direction. Like let's be the best that we can be. Who cares where we're at? Let's go here now. Right? So when, when those realities don't happen, it gets frustrating. So it was definitely a very difficult time, but it was, it was deserved because it's what I decided to do. Well, I guess I was just mostly curious, honestly, like did, did sort of, you know, you were kind of the scapegoat, you would deal with the flack on Reddit and you were blamed for stuff. And you, you know how social, social media was already a shit show for you at times, right? Did that kind of prepare you for this? Or was this a whole different scale of just like, Jesus Christ, like what is going on? I think when you don't have trust in your, like my second relationship didn't have good trust in it. So I think when you don't have that good trust, that stuff will eat you alive a lot harder. Like when I was with Yannette, we had amazing trust. There was never a problem with trust ever. So Justin Bieber would message her on the side. I'd be messaging him back saying like, hey, yeah, like she posts sexy photos of herself because it's her job and her business. And it was totally normal. Canelo Alvarez, like so many celebrities. What's up, be messaging. Literally, I'm literally on Valentine's Day messaging Justin Bieber because he's lonely and he's trying to get with Yannette. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there like, I, I understand. Dead. 
<laughs> I understand the point of view and, and I don't care now because back then she didn't want me to talk about this. I want to make YouTube videos on it. She's like, don't do that. I was like, okay, I trust you, whatever. But like, I don't care now. But it's like, you know, you, you have that ultimate trust. You know you got that ultimate trust. So like nothing is going to tear you down because at the end of the day, you look at your partner and they got you, right? Yeah. And then in the second relationship, it's not there. And, and part of it's probably because of my first relationship and not taking the time, right? So you got to look at it from all fronts. And I think when you don't have that real trust in the relationship and you experience the real trust, then you experience not having the real trust for whatever those reasons may be. Um, if you don't have trust and you're living with a person that you can't have trust with, anything is going to eat you alive and bury you. Yeah. You're so fragile. You're so weak. It doesn't matter how strong-minded you are, how great you are, you're, who you surround yourself with. And if you're not complimenting each other and you have these issues and- I trust you forever, Joe. You need that, yeah. man. You absolutely got to find that. You got to build that. You got to work on that. You got to work on those things at all times. So yeah, it definitely made me vulnerable. It definitely made me weak. It definitely made me insecure. It definitely made me the worst version of myself. Um, I could confidently say that. And uh, I feel really good to get out of that and not be in that anymore. I never yeah. want to go back. Well, uh, yeah, no, no. I just figured it had to be a wild, wild, wild time. But yeah, let's get it yeah, very public and wild, which I'm sure made it even crazier. But let's get into sort of the return. And, you know, now the focus gets back to competitive. You know, we know you sort of never wanted to leave that. But due to Temper's decision, one thing led to another. And you made a shitload of money. And now we're getting back to getting back to the grind. Um, so what? You returned back into in World War II, World War correct? II. Yes, I was playing in World War II. That was when I when I broke up with United. It was during that time. It was a little bit before Champs, I believe. I'm pretty sure I did it like right before Champs. So it was definitely uh, a mistake. It was a mistake. Just a little distracted. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I just felt like I let my team down, you know, and it's just disappointing to me to feel that way inside. Um, it was like you blast Dash and Ricky. Yeah, I mean, Ricky. let's. I mean, honestly, World War II. You you had a pretty good comeback like this isn't easy to do you have a couple of years away you get back to the pro league so you had next threat which is kind of your own thing um you have a couple of top 16s with like some you know ricky nagafin methods um then you had you joined lightning pandas with gunjar royalty exotic i forgot uh, about these moves two. i just remember but, i can't remember complexity like, yeah then, then you join complexity like you, you get back to the pro league like this was that this was not easy to do it's not easy to do now to take a couple of years away uh, I, I mean i think maybe a huge help was we're back to boots on the ground. Like if there was a time where I was going to return or Teep was going to return, it's probably like world war two. It's probably not like infinite warfare. I'd probably choose this one. Um, but it's a big deal. You get back to champs, maybe not the placing uh, with dashy Ricky and blast, but that's a pretty successful comeback in a year. It may not have felt that way at the time, but even looking back to it now with what you're trying to accomplish, you got a lot done. I wish that I just did things differently because um, I didn't like the way our team dynamic went internally. I felt I I felt that I was trying to balance too many different things at one time, and I should have just put the team first, which was my biggest regret. I wish that I put the team first. I wish I put everyone in their place better. I felt like uh, you had a young dashy and a young fucking blast. I'm sure you had your loved, hands full. Loved, I loved, I loved them honestly, and even to this day, like uh, yeah, like me and Brandon don't get along now. Um, wait, that's was, okay. Was, was this one study was also your coach? He was our coach. Time. Jay was the coach. Yeah. So it was it was fun. It was great. Like no, he's a great time. It's just I was just laughing. Jay. I love Jay. Sort of you who coming back and then these little kids around you. We <laughs> had fun children. though. We had a lot of fun. We honestly had yeah. a lot of fun, and it could have been more fun if I put them in their place and I told them where they should, 
be at if I told them their truth, like what I said about Brandon on the podcast I did. If I said that to him back then, he probably would have had more wins today, I think, because he's the straightest shot I've ever seen. And he, he still has a great future ahead of him and all. But back then I had him with me. I had Brandon with me at that time. Racine was an amazing talent as well. And I felt like they were just unmolded talent. And I felt like I should have molded them better. I felt like I should have said things to them at those times that would have helped them. It would have brought us a lot closer. Um, instead, I kind of avoided those conversations because of the things I was dealing with on the side. So I regret that. I definitely regret that too. But uh, it was fun though. It was definitely fun. But to, to not win though, you know, I won every year of my competitive life until World War II. Every single year. Uh, World, BO1, I win nationals. Um, Ghost, I win two championships. AW, I win the first one. And then by the second event, I'm not playing competitive anymore. I'm doing YouTube full time. I come back in World War II. It was the same thing as Ghost. I came back and I'm like, well, I've done this in Ghost. I'll do it again in World War II. I could have done with Ricky Dashy and Blast. I just felt like I didn't have the right mentality. The, 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 the person I was at 18 and 19 wasn't the person I was at 23. That, that dude at 18 was a dog. That dude would have figured out a way to get that thing to work. The guy at 23 wasn't strong enough. So um, that's, that's the thing I look back at. I'm like, dude, there were so many little things we could have fixed up on and had better success. And I, I wish that we did, but we didn't. And it's okay. Yeah, but I, oh, I mean, said, I think I mean, looking back at it, though, more like, than you succeed or whatever you said earlier, yeah. like there's going to be those failures. Yeah, looking back though, I mean, yeah, just getting back to the pro league is an accomplishment in itself. Black Ops Four, did you? Is this like another year where you stepped away? Yes, 2019. That's when I knew because after champs, I knew that I needed time. I needed to just take time, okay. and I just told Jason. I was like, Jason, Jason called me up. Jason Lake from Complexity. He's like, Yo, uh, yeah, so we could rebuild with you and Brandon. You dash, you could get three, and I was like. Well, uh, honestly, I need to take I need to take time. You should sell him to Optic because Optic wanted to buy him out. I was like, you should sell him to Optic because Brandon's not going to be happy if he's with me and we get three, and he's going to want to go live his dream on Optic. And I, I I can't provide the way I feel I should, so I, I can't play right now. I need to take time and sell sell Brandon, get your money, do what you got to do, Jason. Take care of your business, and Brandon wants to go live his dream on Optic Gaming, so. I mean, let let him do his thing and get your money. I'm out. Like, I, I just got to figure this thing out. I don't, I don't know. Like, that was a breaking point in my life. So I need to take some time there for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's pretty mature to realize you just need to do that. Like, some people, I think, wouldn't, like, just realize, hey, I need to take time for myself. Like, if I try to push forward, I'm going to fuck myself over and those around me. Like, yeah, you had a lot of crazy years down in a row. Kind of with what you said, you lived a lifetime in a, in a short amount of time. It was probably yeah. good to just maybe Step just get out. away from... Yeah. And I'm truly loving my new relationship Refocus. Yeah. with Maryland. I'm trying to build a future with Maryland and I'm really thinking about <laughs> our future together. And just like you with uh, Mo, right? Like I, mm -hmm. it's so awesome to see you guys, at high school sweethearts together to this day, because it's an inspiration. And I'm thinking about that, right? Like the same mindset you probably had, Joe, at that certain point in your life. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'll play again, but this is where I want to go with her and I want mm -hmm. to build in this. So I have to figure this out. I need to figure out what I want to do with this and where it's going to go to. So I can't put the time in. I know what this is going to take to win. I can't put that time in if I'm doing that. So yeah, it was uh, it was tough, but it was necessary. You have those thoughts yeah. about me too, Joe? All the time. Well, I'm, you, we have a place for you here. You just haven't moved. You're just, so it's we're just so waiting for you. To, first, Joe. Yeah, I'm coming, like, buddy. So really, we're just waiting on that. Um, you joined the subliners in sort of like a sub slash content creator role, but then COVID kind of happens. Um, and then you enter Cold War, and this is sort of you go back to the pit. You're going through challengers. Uh, Cold War, not the best year, I think. Maybe you would probably like, right, with the standards you set yourself. But towards the back end of Cold War, you start getting some top eights and challengers, uh, some top twelves. You're getting back in the mix. I'm sure it takes time to adjust. Like if 
you know, that, that would be difficult. But then Vanguard, you join Boston Academy and you're, you're, you're back on a map, right? Like this is, I don't know, just a, it, Vanguard, the Vanguard year felt different for me for you. Like it just felt like you were kind of refocused. You were in a place that you wanted to be surrounded by guys you wanted to play with. I think it all starts with Dan. Uh, me and Dan have built an amazing relationship from that moment because it was always real. You know, I dropped Dan and it brought us closer together. So that's how you know it's real, right? Um, mm. it, was, it was great because it all starts with just one person believing in you. And Adam Morrison was the guy who believed in me. And he just said, look, I really like this dude. And I, I really always thought it was like, okay, it's business at the end of the day. And I, I felt that my, my brand alone should be enough to get my foot in the door somewhere. And I, I felt sure. like I was just trying to get my foot in the door and New York subliners wasn't the right fit. So Boston, it felt like the right fit. And I just knew that if I'm getting a second team and my job is to get players in the league, I have to put that first over me. Uh, my success is going to come in time. I've already had my fair share and I'm looking for more, but it's, it's only going to come if I believe in the people that, that we, we sign here. So uh, without Dan, it couldn't have happened. You know, he was the first guy I recruited and he's one of the best players I know. I mean, Dan Ghosty is going to do amazing things in the CDL because I know Dan Ghosty very well. And winners always find ways to win, like we said. So, you know, he, him and I, we had a little thing. We, we talked every day. He took my spot on my challenger team because Kansas City Pioneers funded me, Brack, Zinks, and Proto. They backed out after a month. Zinks drops me. I'm back in square one with nobody. Ghosty takes my spot. He's a random no one cares about. He only got picked up for pro points. I'm looking at his game in eights and I'm like, <laughs> no, this guy's really, really good. So I start talking to him and he was looking up to me because of my history and I'm looking up to him because of what I'm seeing. And we start building this friendship. He gets dropped for Pentagram. He needs a team. I'm like, look, Dan, I got these eyeballs on us. I know people think I'm ass, but look, if I got you on my side, bro, it's going to work. And just trust me in that. And he's like, oh, brother, all I need is some eyeballs on me and I'll be fine. I said, say less. So we always had a great understanding of our limitations, right? Like everyone understood who I was and what my role was for this team. Dan knew his role. I knew my role. And we, we built it from there. And we never had disagreements for building the roster. I, I basically gave him the keys to the team. Uh, he ran everything the way that I expected it to be ran. So I gave him the keys and, you know, I was like, yo, I want Sean. Yeah, let's get him. Great. Cool. We're on the same page. Awesome. Yo, we could get fire. We could get exotic. We could get this guy. We could get cramp. Vo it's time for Vo. We should get Vo. We should get Volance because his name was Volance, not Krimp. Mm. So, you know, K Kyle's like, I don't know, our team's nasty and like Doug's not that good. And then, but Dan, you're gross. And Dan's like, trust. Don't worry about Doug. Just trust. And then <laughs> Kyle joins us, right? So then Dan was the glue to all of it, man. He's the glue piece. Uh, he's one of the best players and he's a glue piece to everything. He's just a great winner. So I, I really feel that Boston Academy success started with Dan. And it's very validating to see us get even more successful without him. Not because of anything other than the fact that we have a great foundation, but to know that we're all meant to be here. It's not just the Dan Ghosty show. I think that that, that uh, role change we had this year with me and picking up new players and, and getting even more successful with different players, it, it, it gave Dan more respect for us and me. It gave me more respect for Dan to go see him go into Optic, do his thing. So just to see us winning with different situations and different uh, things getting thrown our way really brought us very close and uh, very grateful to start Boston with Dan. Uh, and I think that he probably feels the same way too. I'm not surprised to hear you guys like that worked out because I listen, I don't know him super well. I know Joe, you play with him quite a bit. But I played like, a couple of rain days I, with him. I, Nothing I, crazy, but yeah. Well, him and I will just weirdly DM each other about some topic like once every couple weeks, and we end up DMing for like 30 to 40 minutes. Just like rapid fire conversation. Dude, he's like a talker, bro. Like I love it. Like we just talk through some now when I heard him and fellow video game or something, bro. Together. 
I was like, bro, how? Because those two yeah. on that light just. I thought just, you were playing with Bella the first day in. I thought it was Bella. Yeah. It was nuts. But like you said, MW2, you guys get some top threes. You get some top fours. Shawnee throughout all of this, by the way, is kind of like your duo. He He's like living with you through this time, right? At times he was. It was tough. It's so amazing to see where Sean was in Vanguard. And he was mm-hmm. very blunt with me about his situation and where he was at. And he's like, this is where I am. This is where I'm going to go. This is what's going to happen. And I said, bet. So I made everything happen he needed. He made everything happen he needed. And he was always the rock. Dan was the first glue, but Sean really has been um, the moral compass. He's been the coach, the player, the teammate, the the everything. Uh, that's that's why Sean's here. He's, he's everything. He he could do it all. He could play at the highest level, coach at the highest level, compete at the highest level, be the best teammate. He's truly one of my favorite teammates I've ever had just because he, he's a guy who's been beaten down and, uh, you know, beaten down to his rock bottom. And I feel that we have that in common too, but he always has optimism to him and he always puts in the work. And I've never had a moment with Sean in a match where I was like, this guy's letting me down. What's he doing? Like, are you drunk, bro? Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, you really costing me like that? Like, I've never had one of those moments with him. He always is so reliable. He's just such a underrated and underappreciated player. Um, and I think everyone who plays with him feels that same way too about him. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, what's the what was the map in MW 2019? Where was the construction hat on Shawnee, bro? Because he always locked it down. What was bro? Ramaza. Ramaza. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. They'd always pull that photo up of him with the construction hat. Yeah. It killed me. No, he's, yeah, I noticed, he's a great guy. In that Modern Warfare 2 year, I noticed because he came up in World War II with Unilad. That's how I met him. And I, yeah. I thought they were trash and they beat us on land. I'm like, wait, hold on. These guys are pretty good. <laughs> so I, I, was I, the I, twins I, and like Tommy and stuff? Or? It, was, yeah. it, was, it was Zed, Wuskin, Scrap, Shawnee at one point, And then they, they swapped players. But MW2, Sean's doing his thing. I, I'm a sub on New York Subliner. Sean's a sub on London. And I don't have anyone to play with. No one on the main team cares to play with me. I don't have anyone mm. to play with in eights at night. But every night, Sean's playing with the starters on London, and they just want to grind with the guy, and he's winning every hard point, Xiao. And he's really putting in that work. And that's what I thought about in Vanguard when I'm looking. He gets dropped from Assault's team. I'm like, Sean, he got dropped? He got dropped? <laughs> what? I called him right away. I'm like, Sean, what? I, I hit up Assault. I'm like, yo, why'd you drop him? Assault gives me his reasons. I say him to Sean. I'm like, yo, this is what Assault said about you. Is this true? He's like, honestly, yeah. It is true because this is what's happening in my life and this is what I'm dealing with and I can't be the player I should be. He was very blunt to me and I knew his work and I'm like, well, this guy's about his work and it's like the MW19 guy and I got this guy Ghosty who no one knows about. Us three alone is one of the best trios and challengers. Then we'll add Krem to this thing and I mean, we'll do our thing. We'll figure this out. Yeah, no, I I mean, yeah. So let's talk about this now. I guess, how has it been for you kind of seeing Beans, Ghosty, Krem now kind of all get into the the CDL is it nice to see because they're on your sort of you know your academy team moving up or is it a, a bit tough as well because you're like I'm just waiting for my chance back in like is a, a bit both like I'm sure well, it's like think, a father but <laughs> I think with Ghosty I don't really take much credit or Ben either just because Ghosty got picked up because he won an event with Fellow and he got the sure. MVP I mean yeah like Dan got a lot of like credibility playing on Boston Academy but. I think that um, it was all on Dan. I mean, he got dropped. We dropped Dan. And I told him, look, I can't help you as a teammate, but I can help you as a friend. And he took that personally. And, and we really became close from that. And um, he really went out and did it himself, I felt. Uh, but we started this whole thing together. We always hold each other dearly. But yeah, with the other guys too, it's really nice to see. 
uh, just because I've been there before already. I, the CDL to me, it doesn't phase me. Like, I'm not going to give a fuck when, I win, when I'm in the CDL. I'm not going to give a fuck if I win a major. Like, I've been there before. I know what it is. Yeah, I want to win those things. But, like, I know what you it feels like. You are full of shit. If you get back in the CDL and win a major, your ass is going to be happy as fuck, Doug. Well, I know what the feeling is, Clint. I've been there I know, before. I know, but you're going to be, I think after these past couple of years, you are going to be, I think, more static than you think. But I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's, about, it's about the process every day, and it's about just doing what you love every day. And if you love what you do and it's true and you just want to do it, that's the only thing that matters. And everything that's meant to be is yeah. going to happen. So, you know, it's like when you see these younger players that have a lot of ambition as well, and they want to make it, and you see them actually going out and doing it the right way, and they get into the league, and you start seeing their insecurities like behind closed doors where no one else knows them, and you're like, hey, man, I know this feeling. Hey, man, I know that feeling too. Hey, man, I've been here before as well. Hey, man, this is what we have to do. This is how we're going to move. Hey, man, look, this is how we're going to navigate through this adversity, and we start getting together, and we start navigating through it, and figuring out ways to just make it the best situation possible. It's a great feeling to see. So I've honestly, you know, I've always been very goal oriented for myself and making sure that my bottom line is met and I'm self-sufficient, all those great things. But the Academy has very, very much blessed me to see other people flourish and see other people uh, accomplish those things too. I, I really love seeing them win as much as I love to win, to be honest. So maybe it's like an age thing when you get older, maybe you just start looking at things with a different perspective, but it's awesome to see the guys that you, you you start from the bottom with just reach those levels. And when to me, the, the biggest thing that I never want to have happen is to, to recruit a player and the player doesn't go to the league. That hasn't happened yet, so I'm very happy. Uh, but it would be a very big disappointment for me to believe in a player and that player doesn't reach those highs that I saw in them. That I because we, we have the pick of the litter, Clint. We could pick up anyone we want. Literally, I mean, everyone it gives you credibility. Everyone. Like, you know, you, mm -hmm. you've got this like eye for talent and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and when you when you have everyone at because at first it was like no one wanted to play on Boston Academy. We didn't have options. And every option that we picked up went to the league. Now we have every option. And it's like we have every option, so it's easy. But like at the same time, it's like, dude, you have a big target on your back because if you fail, people want to just clown you or the competition just wants to be envious of you and just put you down or whatever. But I just, I truly don't care. I, I really just care about the guys getting what they deserve because I know who deserves it and I want to make sure they all get it. I see it every day. So I, I want these guys to, just like me, I just bought a boat. I'm big chilling. I'm not even 30. I got everything <laughs> in the world. I got my sanity. I got my, my life in order. I got my credit score perfect. Everything, every little box in life has been checked off, right? Except for that ring and except for being in the league, doing that at the highest level, I guess. But like, you start thinking of it differently and you just want to make sure that the guys that you truly care about also get those same things too. And that's really what I'm looking forward to. You've experienced a lot more in these last, like, whatever, seven years than every other player <laughs> combined like just the the roller coaster of it all and everything you've seen so i yeah i mean uh you've done you've done a lot man but it's, it's not it's not done yet but before we kind of get to like the next chapter and what you're working on uh, we wanted to like kind of like who do you think is the next up but like with what you just said about you kind of getting your pick is is it logical for us to think whoever you're getting next to you on your team is kind of who you think is the next up maybe with a shot in the cdl he knows. We already picked him up. No one knows about him yet, but we, we know who it is. We've been in group chats for over a month. Boston knows. We're giving him his contract. He's going to have his opportunity just like everyone else. And he knows what he's signing up for. He knows what the, the, the situation is. And he understands the expectation. And he's totally ready. I already met the guy for lunch. Um, had a face-to-face -face with him. No one really knows about the player. I, I like doing that. You got to like wait for the announcement for this one. Yeah, I, I like I like to pick yeah, up fair. players. I, I I've always picked up players at their rock bottoms or players that no one knows about. I, I never pick up the hype beast players. It seems not not because of like any motive. It just happens that way. But I mean, when I see what I see, I need to get what I see. So 
I see, I see the potential with it and you know, it's always the right pick. It seems it always seems to be the right guy. And I have no doubt about him and his future and where it's going to go. And I'm very excited for him and he's going to fit in like glue. Um, it's just very nice to know that we know where we're going and we just got to put that work in every day and that's it. So it's great. Well, I guess we'll wait to see who this mystery man is. (laughs) When, when can we expect the announcement, Doug? Before October. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. That's in like, that's in like 10 days. Hopefully it's probably going to be on the boat and I'm getting the boat in a couple of, I'm getting the boat in like a week and a half. So it's probably going to be in like mid October. Cause we're going to do the announcement on the boat. It only makes okay. sense. So I like that. we got to get the boat. Then we got to get him out here and then we got to get the team out here. So we got a lot of things that we got to get done. Is so this I'd say within the new month. fourth, Who, who's like the other two. Do we know the, your other two? Is it Shawnee? Enneagram, Shawnee, myself. Okay. And then our coach is still Mike. And then, um our new fourth is you know to be decided i guess i i see you and i've talked to you know like uh he when he was a sub uh for what lat was pentagram my dog talked highly of him but you were you're surprised he's probably not in the league yet right why is he not a starter what, what, what are we doing what what the hell are we doing this is this is the phenomenon to me because i've watched players go in the league get kicked out of the league i play them and i send them home in challengers every time i mean i've seen mm-hmm. all these dudes have their come ups their come downs and i'm looking at this guy pentagram and i'm just like He's literally one of the best players I've ever played with in my life. How is he playing with me in challengers? Look, I don't need pentagram in challengers. I I could pick up the next guy and we're going to do just fine. It's not about me. I'm glad he's in challengers and me. I am cheesing knowing that I spawn in every day on the map (laughs) with pentagram. I love to know that I'm going into this year and I'm playing with pentagram. I love that thought in my head. I'm so happy about it. But like, it's not about me. Get this guy in the league. Why is he with me right now? The, the, The thing that I know... This is the thing that I see. When he played in Cold War Challengers with Kismet, Pentagram was the MVP of the season. Kismet was always as good as Pentagram. Pentagram was always as good as Kismet in my head. That's just my opinion. People could take that however they want to. I don't care. But I see Kismet go out and do the highest level thing at the best statistical level, the best accolade. He is that guy. I've seen that in Kismet since that Vegas team, that London, that, uh, that Paris team. But he's always been that guy. Same with Nate. And when they teamed together, they were the best, second best team in challengers. And Nate won the challenger MVP based on the challenger players voting on it. So I, I don't understand what these GM... I, I thank Cap when he released him from Thieves. I said, thank you. Thank you so much to bring him over here in Boston. I, I just really don't know what these morons in the CDL are doing. What the hell are you guys doing? This guy is going to keep you in business and keep you in a job for years to come if you sign him. What the hell are you doing? Now, look, I, I have no problem saying this because my job's safe in Boston. I'm not going nowhere. I'll sure. say what I want to say and do what I want to do, and I'm going to get my results. So you yeah, can't dude, tell This rant might get him on a squad this year, Doug. So what the shit. hell are you guys doing? Do you well, want I mean, money? Yeah. Do you want to have a job? Do you want to get fired in six months because your team's dead last? Or do you want to win? What do you want to do? Do you want money or do you want to lose? Pick up Pentagram. What are you doing? I, it's like, oh, I, I, he's the one player, and look, Sean deserves it too. No doubt about it. Snoopy, I'm so happy he's on our starting roster. This guy, to me, his story is going to be incredible when it's all said and done. This guy has been on the breaking point of retirement so many times. And I'm just looking at it like, when I picked him up, he got top 24 this year in Challengers when I picked him up. And I was so convinced on Pentagram that I said to myself and to Sean and Kremp, I said, look, I'm not a better SMG than Pentagram, but Pentagram's available right now. I should switch to a main AR. And if we get pentagram and we don't place well, I'm going to retire because I, I truly know I'm not good enough if we can't do well with pentagram. And what happened? There you go. There's the proof. 
it was mind blowing to me. I still can't believe that this guy's not a starter in the league. I'm just happy Boston, you know, we're taking care of him and he's good. Everything's great. He's going to have a bright future. He's going to be in the league. I, I will make that my personal mission. I care more about Pentagram being in the league than me being in the league. I'm serious. I really mean that because it would be an injustice to Cod if this guy doesn't get a chance to play at the highest level. I don't even care if he was to fail. I don't care. He wouldn't, but I wouldn't care because I know that he deserves that more than anyone in the world. There's no player who deserves it more than him. And I know that. That's why I signed well, that, him. That was going to be my next question to you, Ooh. anyone you think deserves a shot. But I, I figured it was I him the way you, you've it. talked yeah. about him. Um, is, is SMG Doug returning or is Men AR Doug? No. Oh, no. No, no, no. No. You're having fun. No, no, no. We ain't, we ain't dropping those point sevens on the sub doing that. No, 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 no. no, no. no. You're, you're posting up. That's all I needed nope. to know. Nope. We, we're not a BZ. Nope. We're not Tyler Abizi. Nope. <laughs> okay. We're not Blackover like Sweets. No, 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 no. <laughs> We like can take that Lamar role. That Lamar role works. I've seen that work for five years. I, I really respect it. I love that role. We could do that. We could be right there in that lane. I could stay in that little lane right there. Be that man AR for the get, team. Get tell your, players get where your to spots. go. Get your Let me go like soak those hills. Tell you where to go. I'll play. But my X factor is the bomb plant in SND. I'm the best bomb planner in the history of the game. You can't take that away from me. I'll get your hills. I'll get your bomb plants. I'll tell you how to play, where to go. And I'm going to show up in the big moments. I'm going to let my subs like Pentagram, Snoopy, y'all go do your thing. I can't do that. Nope. Y'all do that. You got, you got like that. You're it. good. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Um, so, yeah, if you're waiting for that announcement, should know hopefully mid-October for the, the, the new Academy 4th for Boston. Um, now focusing on kind of now and sort of, I, I, I guess, sort of near future, you are trying to break the pull-up world record. This is what you are doing now. Uh, if you have watched Doug's stream, uh, what is that number, Doug? The record is 8,008. It's held by Jackson Italiano. So I have listened to uh, Goggins' book when he talks about it because Goggins used to hold it. I, I don't remember what he got to. 4115 in 2013. Took, he got to 41? 4115, I believe, in 20, 2014. And this guy got 7,900? 8,008. 8,008. So he almost doubled it, this dude. Yeah, we're going we to kill that record. I don't okay. think I can do record. one. I don't think oh, I can do one. I know one. how insane this is because, like, Goggins is a freak, and his book, he failed, like, two times. Like, just, like, We got failed. one but, shot at this thing, Joe. That's it. One okay, shot. so uh, talk us through this process that you're going through now. Are you trying to get this done before the season starts? Is that what you're During trying to do? During the season, it's going to happen around late okay. February or March. It's going to be simultaneous. Uh, the hardest day of my life will be sometime in middle of January. I'm going to be waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to mm -hmm. eat four protein pancakes. I'm going to digest them. I'm going to start at six o'clock military on the dot. I'm going to do 4,320 pull-ups in six hours. I'm going to finish by 12 PM. It's going to give me a good hour to truly just reset, eat shower, and then be on for one thirty for VOD and scrims. And then I'm going to scrim from two to nine. And that's going to be one of the hardest days of my life. And I'm very ready for that moment in January. And then I'm what you're, you're going to, then you're going to do more pull-ups from 9 PM to no, no, done. no. I, I think it's counterproductive. Oh. If you if you don't practice the way you're going to perform on record day, I think it's very counterproductive. I think you need to take it very seriously on your training days. So um, that that's going to be probably the hardest day of my life, I think. And okay. I'm very, very prepared for it because you got to you got to balance the the number itself is is the number. I mean, four, three, 20 is a lot of pull ups and I haven't even gotten there yet. And I know how I feel after 2000. I know how I feel after 2300. I know how I feel after 1500. I've been here so many times now where I know the feelings very well. And I know how the hands feel and the mind feels and the body feels. So well, I'm confused. You gotta, do you need to do 8,000 or do you need to do 4320? 4320 is just a practice day. That's just one of my six hour oh. sessions I'm going to have to do. 
to get oh, my body. Sorry, ready sorry, for sorry. I thought you were talking about the day you were trying to do it. I, I thought I misunderstood. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, same. That's that's a part of the that's the hardest day of practice. I would say is going to be that because it'll be the highest level of pull ups, the most amount before you do the record. I think the record won't be too hard to do. I think that the preparation is a lot harder than the actual day itself. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot more work that goes into getting to that point than the actual yeah perform on that day. Once you get to so, that day, it's probably like. All right, all the work's behind me now. Like, it's going to be fun, easy, effortless. Like a you're, you're practicing now, like it's an amount of reps per minute, right? When I've tuned into your stream, and I'm, I'm assuming this 4320 number is how, how many pull-ups per minute for however many, six, five, six hours? Before. It's going to be 12 pull-ups per minute for six hours straight, no breaks. Not a single break. Every 30 and, seconds. You do six every 30 seconds. What is your highest so far? 2,310 in five hours, 30 minutes. And today's probably going to be a new PR after we finish the podcast. It's probably going to be six hours, 2520. So if, if I can ask, what did you like when you first started this process? What were you at? Oh, worst day of my life was June 6th. I didn't know where I was at. I've done 11, 11 years every day in my life. I've done three sets of 10 pull-ups every day in my life for 11 years. Yeah. Uh, it was just a part of my warm up in the gym. So I knew that in the last decade, I've done a lot of pull-ups and I knew yeah. I needed something to get out of my my so run of my kind of break. base at least you would you would like worked on this those muscles like you would, I wasn't happy I wasn't happy I wasn't happy with where I was at in my life I didn't like the doubt and insecurities I felt after my second breakup I didn't like the person I felt like I was inside I needed something to shake myself up my mom was uh, dealing with a lot of problems my family has a lot of health issues so I just wanted to put it all together with something and I always wanted to do something individually because everything I've done is team oriented and it's luck at the end of the day, but this isn't luck. This is just science. I mean, this is just an individual thing. I wanted to see how far I could go with it. And yeah, it's and this uh, is the one you circled. This is the one that the, the checked the box. It was June 6th was the worst day. I was, I was trying, you know, I was doing these little practice sessions where I'm doing like, okay, let, what's a comfortable amount of pull-ups I could do every single minute on the minute where I'm not going to get too tired. I got to figure out how long I could go for first. So like, I think five every minute feels pretty easy. So I do it for 30 minutes. It feels easy. I'm like, okay, that's good. Now I'll do it for like 45 minutes. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, I'm good. I got that. I do it for like an hour. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, okay, five a minute. This is 300 a minute. If I do that for 10 hours, it's 3,000. It's not what I need, but you know, like, this is a good baseline for me. And then one day, June 6th, uh, I, I said, okay, I did like a thousand pull ups the day before this or whatever in like a few hours, like two and a half hours or something. I don't even know, like three hours maybe. No, I, I did. I'm sorry. I did like 600 pull ups in two hours. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a thousand. You know, I got a thousand. I'm good. I got that number. I'm good. And I was like doing five on the minute. I was going to finish at like 930 at night. I was going to hang out with my friend after he's going to come to my house. We're going to hang out, watch some sports. I was, I was going to be at a thousand, like right when he showed up and then he canceled on me last minute. And I said, okay, today's that day, Doug, you're going to fuck around and find out today. Because if you really think <laughs> you're going to break that record and you, you want to talk about breaking that record, you better, better break that record. And that thing is no joke. So look, today is that day. I'm mid-session. He's canceling on me. I get to a thousand pull-ups. I said, all right, Doug, you go until you don't go anymore. Like literally you go until you don't go no more. Like quite literally. And I wanted to quit at two and a half hours, three hours, three and a half hours, four hours. I, I, I truly know the, the level of desperation I felt to want to quit at three hours. And I, I pushed that to five. I made it to five. I don't know how I did, but I did. And I couldn't even get my pull-ups anymore. I couldn't even pull up. I couldn't, my hands were done. I was broken. I, I, I could see my bones in my hands. I still have a little scar in the center of my palm. This was a bone. You could just see the bone there at, at one point. I mean, my legs were so sore from just hopping up like six, not even six inches, three inches to jump up on a bar because my bar wasn't perfectly lined up. And but it died. So it's good you're alive. It was the worst Maybe day of my life. I know if you could do one. So I, I don't Clint, know you're good. 
I finished that session and I, I needed food. So I, I ordered DoorDash. It was like 1130 at night and I got Burger King because there's nothing else open. And I thought I was going to just devour this food. And I sat there on my hands eat. and knees in my kitchen for four hours yeah. just staring at my food. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do oh, anything. Sure. I, I, I was so broken. I've never been broken like that in my life. I've never felt that level of pain ever. And then that, that's when What'd you get I, got to, I got to 1,505 hours. And it was this, this level of pain I can't even like. I, I made an Instagram post about it. But that, that's when Jackson, I think, I think that's when Jackson started to say, okay, I'm going to help this guy out. Jackson's the world record holder. And that was the moment where I think he was like, okay, we got to protect your hands, dude. You're, you're not doing this right. You got to get this for your hands. Well, that's what I was going to wonder with like your hands, like especially gaming. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, these are tools. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you thirty six? Well, I can't use my thumbs. My hands actually don't work anymore. Like, <laughs> not bad, right? I've been doing so many pull ups, you wouldn't even know. So, yeah. So, so you They're basically, you so you started. This is pretty early on. You, you know, you've been doing pull ups for eleven years, but when you first really pushed, you about killed yourself getting to fifteen hundred. So now you're getting to twenty two hundred. You said, and that's like you're you're doing that like in a healthy manner now, correct? Very controlled, very calculated, okay. very precise. Every breath, every movement, every pull up, every sip of water, caffeine, electrolyte, sugar, non sugar, glucose spikes, uh, bites of a Cliff Bar, how many, when to chew, how to chew, everything, the time to when to do it all. Everything's very highly calculated, detailed and calculated, yeah. and you 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 feel everything at the right times. Science, it's like a science and that's why i have so much admiration for jackson he's like patrick price he's like aches with the blueprint for winning jackson's the blueprint for pull-ups he's the 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 highest level pull-up master i know in the world he is the guy he's a world record holder right so it is what it is i mean he knows what do you, he knows everything so what do you you know you said you're practicing to hit like that 4300 mark or whatever so then what on the day you're gonna actually do it it's just this mental thing of doubling that speed basically or how's that well work? he's probably building up to that speed now right that's what you're doing now so yes trying to- the the implementation every day of just the gradual buildup is is a science, and it, it's going to be to the point. I'll break the record around, uh, I don't know, like seventeen and a half hours in. I'll break the record, and I'll still have like seven hours to fuck around and see what number I want to end up on and how far I can go. Because really, the biggest, the biggest Wait, thing the is, is the record. Is it six hours or twenty four? I'm going to do that in six hours, forty three twenty in six hours. So then I'll have another eighteen hours after that to slowly because. It's just—it's truly the definition of endurance. So the the right? record itself, though, is in how it's a twenty-four. It's a twenty-four hour record. Oh, yeah, that, okay. Day. Now that now it makes a lot more sense to me. I thought you had to get that number in in the six hours. I'm like, how the fuck? <laughs> no, are no, you no, no, no. Four thousand and have to eight thousand six hours. Doug. Impossible. That sounds insane. Okay, okay. Impossible. Okay. I was, I mean, that sounds. That, I don't under, That's why I'm so confused. Like, how? <laughs> so what? What's okay. the number you need per minute to beat the record? Twelve. So in, in a twenty-four way- hour day. Yes. No one's done 10,000 in 24 hours. The only one who has is his name is Andrew. He did 10,020, but he got disqualified from Guinness because his reps weren't in perfect form because they're very they're very serious about the form. Uh, the elbow's got to lock at the bottom and chin's got to go over the bar every rep. If you have a certain amount of, of, of reps that are bad form, you're disqualified. You could break the record and then continue to go. Say we do eight thousand one hundred, and then we continue sense. to go. Yeah, yeah. If I if I start getting failed reps after eight thousand one hundred during the day, they could disqualify my entire attempt, even though I did eighty one hundred clean pull ups. Yeah. That's how strict they are. So he mm-hmm. did get disqualified, but he had a good blueprint that Jackson took a little bit from. Um, yeah, I think uh, the way I see it, uh, most people are like Truett Haynes is attempting to break the record in a month, and he he probably has a good chance of getting it. His training is a little bit different, but. Some people have different formulas for it. Uh, the, the formula we're following is every 30 seconds we do these pull-ups for the first six hours, and we're going to slowly wean it off from there on out. 
So it, it's really not going to be too difficult. I think, uh, I think, like I said, the training, like today I got a six hour session. It's brutal. I, I'm going to be in a lot of pain once we finish this, this podcast. So yeah. um, Good luck, it's buddy. a brutal, thanks. It's a brutal, it's a brutal thing. The six hour sessions are very brutal because if you're doing the six hour sessions every minute on the minute, I, I feel like they're fairly easy at this point for me, but the 30 seconds is a, a different level of just intensity. And um, th this is why we have to train like this. This is why we do it because you have to get your, your level of, of endurance. So, oh, so you're giving yourself a 30 second rest today instead of, or sorry, 30 second sort of zone interval? instead of a yes, minute. It's, it's every, I'm doing pull-ups essentially like every, every 20 seconds I'm doing pull-ups for six hours straight. It's, it's very, right. very brutal. The, the minute on the minute feels very easy at this point because of the 30 second perspective. So it's, uh, it's, it's truly the. To me, it's it's very fulfilling, and it brings you closer to God. It brings you closer to your family. It makes you more humble, humiliated. It keeps you balanced. Uh, it's it's God, insane. You're about it's to pass out, bro. You're seeing shit. Is what's going on? Yeah. I hallucinated. No, I, I have hallucinated from doing <laughs> and this. And you you, stre you stream these sessions, right? You stream them. Yeah, I stream all of them. I, I just feel yeah. like why not? You know, it's just free motivation. It's free money for my bank account. Right, if cool. wants to watch cool. it, why not? You know. Yeah. I mean, you're listen, fucking dog. insane, bro. Yeah, I can't you are. for six hours other than watch a TV show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> props, dude. We'll, we'll, I, I'll keep tuning in, watching, see, yeah, see it, hopefully. Joe, it's well. crazy, man, how much it changes you. Like, I, I'm, I'm so patient now, and, and you, you, you don't have the patience unless if you start doing things like this. I'm not saying you got to go out and do these things, but it's, it's so nice to just go out and just, you know, go on a walk, do something simple, like the simple things in life. Like, we, we got to take time for those things because. This is what teaches you that, you know, I, I literally stand here at this pull-up bar and I'll stare at this screen. I'm looking at without moving my eye, my eye, my eye gaze won't change for six hours. I'll stare at the screen at a second on a clock for six hours, like perfect, like robotic. And, uh, when you, when you do that, it, it teaches you this level of discipline and it's very, very nice to feel that way. It's very good to feel that level of just, you know, cause you only got a certain amount of time in this world, right? We only got yeah, a certain I mean, amount I, of time and we gotta make the most of it. Whatever we see. You need an audible account, bro. Listen to some books while you're doing this or something. I I get I mean, it, bro. Listen, whatever works, whatever works, whatever works for you. Thousands <laughs> of pull-ups over six hours or playing Warzone for six hours. I don't know. That's a true <laughs> mental test that we're both going through each day on our streams. No, but honestly, uh, I mean, dude, it's it's crazy what you're doing. Um, yeah, if you want to watch his streams as well, you can uh, check out Sensor. He'll he'll be streaming his sessions. Uh, before we let you go, and you've obviously already had a, a crazy story, we're going to get to some community questions uh, that we had tweeted in. Uh, let's start with the first one, and you've kind of touched on this a bit, but uh, let's see. BQ something diff wants to know what is the key to filtering out all the negativity that gets thrown your way. Having undeniable trust, either you're isolated or you're surrounded by great people. If you have no one that you can trust around you, which it's very hard to find, cut them off. Be alone. Be alone. Be in your own thoughts. If you have your own thoughts, you'll start figuring out who you should trust and who you should be around. And if you do have great people you trust, they're, they're the people that are going to keep you straight. Everything else is all outside noise. You don't have to worry about it if you have good people keeping you aligned and keeping you on your course and, and on your path. So uh, that's the biggest thing. The, the noise is the noise, but if you have good perspective around you, you're going to be just fine. Got it. Um, Alex or Fernaldo, well, he wanted to know uh, about you being a man AR and then when Boston Challengers team announcement was, but we just got to that a little bit ago. So answered that question. Um, and then your boy Alex wants to know what is your favorite competitive COD game that you've played? What's your favorite? Oh man, I feel I feel like they're all the same. You know, every game feels the same to me. I don't really care if it's jetpack. You gotta have a flying. favorite, Doug. 
I don't think what? I do have a favorite. I, I really? love every single. I, I truly love the game so much where I don't care about anything other than the idea of four versus four that's set up in a, in a spawn trap, that's set up, get, get out of the spawn trap, that's have a good break in S&D, that's go throw good tacticals. Like It's always the same thing in my head. I don't care if it's boots, if it's sliding, if it's jumping, if it's wall running, if it's this, if it's that. I love the game. I love the competition. I just love to play against the best. And I, I love to know that I love seeing the best crumble. I love seeing them just mentally collapse and just knowing you got that little extra, that kicker, and then you beat them and you, you know, like that, that's the only thing I care about. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the games like that. I really don't. I love them all the same. I honestly can say Sorry, that. I, was, I never thought I would, but I love them all the same. the fuck in. He's about to do thousands of push-ups <laughs> or pull-ups after this podcast. My man it. is fucking locked. Uh, I, okay. I, grabbed one, I grabbed one other question. Um, just okay. I like to I like to read, and I I think this person Doug is someone who never is from Wheel Z ninety nine. Doug is someone who never seems to lose focus of his goal. Is there a book that like had the biggest impact on how you see the world? Is it is it the people around you? Is there a book that you'd recommend that maybe kind of helps with your mentality? I think it's I just the really traumas. No, it's it's just the traumas. I, I lost my I lost I have seven immediate family members. I lost three of them within four years when I was nine to thirteen nine to 12 my aunt my mom's sister got ran over by a car uh she was all messed up in the head she was on pills and stuff and i think she ran in front of a car my my grandma my grandpa died of lung cancer when i was 11 my grandpa my grandpa died of lung cancer when i was 11 my grandma died of pancreas cancer when i was 12 uh and these were like the closest people my my parents got divorced when i was two um my dad wasn't really in my life much as a kid so you know you i'm changing schools i changed three different schools in three years i went from an all-white school to an all-black and spanish school to a private privileged school all within the span of three years i'm isolated i'm i'm just not trying to be in this situation for the rest of my life no one's went to college in my family so i'm like you know what I only got a certain amount of time here. I have the advantage. I don't have any advantage in life. I don't have any uh, extra perks or money or any nice things, but I do have the advantage of being young and understanding how the end could be for me if I allow everything I'm seeing around me. Okay, so if I smoke, I'm going to get cancer and I'm going to die. Okay, so I shouldn't do that. Okay, so then let me not do that. Let me stay away from it. Okay, so my aunt had these mental issues and she ran in front of a car. Let me make sure, like, I don't know how that happens, but let me make sure I always think about those things so I don't go down those paths in life. I always was very preventative of um anything and i i didn't really care about failing i never cared about putting myself out there and failing i i felt like what's the point if everyone's just gonna you know this is kind of sad to say this but it's not really sad it's it's this is the reason i'm saying there's a lot of hope in it when you see these people that that are so close to you just not being here anymore and you're young and you're seeing it it's like how do you want to handle all that do you want to do you want to let that just consume you or do you want to change from it like you have a choice what what, do you want to go here or do you want to go here so if you make that choice young and it doesn't matter at the age, but if, you, if you're blessed enough to be able to make the choice when you're young, that you're going to go here, uh, and you really, you really do that, you're, you're going to have it happen. It's, it's that simple. It's, it's, you know, no one's different. We're all the same. You just got to be able to put the work in every day. So I think that was the thing, just the life experiences. I never was a big reader. I never really read many books, but my life experiences definitely shaped me. And then uh, when, you, when you see the dreams come true, it's very, very cool. So it's like you want to see other people have that same thing too. And that's, that's kind of like where I feel I'm at right now. I think that's awesome to hear because it's uh, going through that much young kid. A lot of people probably could curl into a ball and sort of blame everything around them and not sort of own it and look to push forward and prove themselves. So good answer. I mean, that was probably tough to do and sorry to hear you went through all that when you were, when you were younger, but it's okay. Um, it's life, man. That's all it is. It's life. There's nothing you can do. You can only control. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. We all got our own thing, man. Like some of us, 
you know, some of us are tall, some of us are short, some of us got big noses, small noses, some of us got deformities, some of us got everything. Look, if you got if you got no problems, if you got two hands you could look at and they work, and you got legs that work, and you got feet that work, and you got a brain that's you know, it's you have common sense, then you know what? You got everything you need. And if you got everything that you need, then you just add on to that foundation little by little. It's all baby steps, everything in life. It all starts small. So it's really nice. It's Gross. a really nice thing. Yeah. Um well, Amazing, Doug. Doug. You're you're the fucking man. I uh, appreciate you, you coming on. Thanks for, thanks for taking time, Doug. We appreciate it. I love you guys. I love coming out. I love, love seeing too, you guys pal. do your thing. So it's it's I I wanted to do this. So it's really fun to be here. Yeah, oh, you yeah, have right. a good time, dude. I told you, chat and chat and shit for a while. Love it. We got to we gotta go on the boat, dude. We got to go to the boat. Yeah. What, what, do we get to come to the boat? You guys are always invited. Anytime you're in Long Island, hit me up. You guys got my number. Let's you guys go. have my Twitter. Like, just hit me up. You guys are always down. Always, I'm always down. Dude, let's go shoot content on the boat or just have <laughs> some fun dancing with Doug on the boat. Just tell me, tell me what you guys want. I'll make it maybe, real. Maybe if you want something, I'll make it happen. Like, what's up, Anything. <laughs> Whatever you want, man. Anything you want. I got you. Let's go. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, you've had a, you've had a wild career. Um, I think the thing that stood out the most for me is just like you said, whether it was with the United or not, like you, you've crammed like a lot of life into these last like few years. So I'm glad you've been able to kind of separate yourself from it learn to sort of enjoy things again and get your feet under you again. And uh, good luck with uh, breaking the world record. Good luck with uh, the workout later today. Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. You're, you're insane. Anything for you, Joe? No. Uh, no. Good okay, luck well, on the uh, year. I'm excited. Excited to see you. Doug is a main AR again. Let's go. Let's go. Yes, May sir. Yeah, good luck with the uh, squad. Everyone that watched, hope you enjoy the episode. Doug's going to go do 4,000 pull-ups. I'm probably going to eat 4,000 fucking calories worth of tacos, <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. Bye. <laughs>